0: Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Muse Podcast. Ever since Briggs and I started the Muse Podcast, we thought, could the basic premise, the artist comes in, plays something original and new, and then we dive into where that idea came from, could that premise apply to other art forms other than just music? So this is the first time we open up that premise to script writing, In this case, for the new original web series, Black Sands, we welcome to the barn director, co-producer, co-screenwriter, and creator of Black Sands, Todd Hunter, and co-producer and co-screenwriter, Tomer Oz. Both of these gentlemen have deep experience in stage and screen, and to open the episode, they did a live table read from the first episode, debuting some of the characters and the story from the project. Uh, Black Sands. So from this, this is the uh, series description Black Sands is a new original web series and the name of the fictional seaside tourist city where the series takes place. A postmodern neo-noir tale about brotherhood, betrayal, murder, corruption, and the madness of the American dream, all set in the idyllic surface of Black Sands. So the Black Sands team is in pre-production right now, and they have a plan for shoot dates between May and June of 2019. If you want to follow along with that process, or even be part of the project, check Rolling Die Productions on Facebook for updates. Um, they're talking about their crew needs. Uh, they do previews and stills there on Facebook, and they plan on having their first episode shot and available online by fall 2019. This is super exciting. This was an amazing treat to do. I was blown away by the similarities between our processes. The spoken, or in this case acted, word has tempo, it has rhythm, pattern, it has a performance arc, it plays with metaphor versus reality. There are so many connections between script writing in this case and composing. It was a fascinating conversation. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, head over to the MusePodcast.com and hit the contact button and speak your mind. And, of course, we are The Muse Podcast on all social media. Regretfully, this episode Briggs had a gig to play, so I'm flying solo on this one. I apologize for the uh, brain dumps with no one there to rein me in. Um, it gets a little heady, but no worries. He's going to be back next episode to get things back you know, on track. All right, people. Todd Hunter and Tomer Oz reading from the new original web series, Black Sands. Max and Josh sit across from each other at a table inside the cafe. It's a bright classic style diner feel. Steel counters, formica tables, booths. Less a lived in than a touristy feel. Max keeps pressing the bridge of his nose, trying to reduce the pain. A half drunk cup of coffee in front of him. Josh flips through the menu, occasionally looking up and noticing Max's condition. They've barely said two words since they've arrived. Max looks at Josh, almost sizing him up until he finally breaks the silence. Max defiantly meets his brother's eyes. What?
2: You got fat.
0: You look like shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, this is an improvement josh is pricking his finger testing his blood sugar you still doing that
0: yes max you don't kick this
2: thank fuck it skipped me
0: now nah, instead of diabetes you're gonna end up with hep c hiv liver disease i'll be
2: dancing and getting <coughs> drunk at your funeral really
0: you drunk imagine that how's that going by the way the drinking still haven't kicked it
1: it's better the waitress comes over notepad in
0: hand you guys ready
1: just coffee, black please. Like uh Your soul? You used that one last time. Sweets. That black. And you? Interior diner, morning, September 25th, 2018. A large pile of food is on the table between Josh and Max. Eggs, side orders of sausage and bacon, toast, fruit, a carafe of juice. Josh hopes Max will eat some of it. He's eating his eggs while Max finished his second cup of coffee. How'd you find me?
0: I talked to Allison. She said you were staying at the Tides when I went looking for you there this morning. They said you hadn't returned last night, so I figured you'd be at Maggie's.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be staying there for a while.
0: Allison says you won't return her calls anymore. She's worried about you. I'm sure you're doing a good job <clears throat> consoling her. Yeah, I am, because I actually care about her.
2: Trust me, I know exactly how much you care about her. I-
0: Oh, man, you really are getting desperate. You, you you have this whole thing with the whole world, don't you? It's it's pathetic and boring, this whole fucking act you've got going on here. Just, this is how you make yourself feel better. Okay,
2: stop. Enough. You're frightening the waitress, and I need a refill.
0: Think whatever you want. Keep bringing up my high school girlfriends. Josh stabs his fork into the eggs and cheese.
2: Just the one I married.
0: Fine. I was just kidding. She's still holding out hope on you. I keep telling her you're an idiot and a lost cause, but she won't listen to me.
2: You made your point. You want to take it easy on those eggs?
0: Max grabs his own fork
2: and goes for the eggs. Here, give me some, asshole. Get your own. You're buying me breakfast. You said so. Can't back out now.
1: They bicker and negotiate over the food until eventually Max drinks Josh's
0: OJ. Oops.
2: Look, Tell Allison when you talk to her not to hold her breath. It's not a good idea right now. Because of Maggie? Because of a lot of things. She hadn't
0: left. It was better this way. For who? Because she still cares about you. I mean, I know things got You don't know shit.
2: You don't know a goddamn thing about me and Allie. Do you love her? Allison?
0: Of course I do. You love Allison and you're staying with Maggie. It's
2: not like that. Since when is there anything going on with me and Maggie? Who doesn't have something going on with her? She's a regular bicycle. Hey. Watch what you say about Max. She's been there for me. Way more than I can say about you. If I had to choose between either one of you, it'd be adios muchachos for you. you going to eat all that? Come on. Give me more. Man, you hungry? Maybe you shouldn't be.
0: I'm doing just fine.
2: Yeah, picture of health. You're still like that. Up to and including working for a fucking
0: gangster. (laughs) Everyone works for Keith one way or another in this city, including you.
2: I serve horny alcoholics. You're the one fixing numbers.
0: Josh loses his napkin on his now empty plate. This was a bad idea.
2: What do you mean? We're getting along just fine, relatively. No,
0: I mean even considering you for what Keith wants. You're still a fucking petulant child.
2: I'm the child? At least I'm not a fucking gopher for a gangster. Look at you. You must need me, Josh. You must need me really bad, otherwise you wouldn't be here.
1: Max takes a bite of the leftover food and chugs the last bit of coffee.
2: So, go fuck yourself.
1: Max heads out of the diner. After a brief stunned pause, Josh shakes his head while muttering obscenities and throws money on the table. He gets up and heads after Max. wow yeah
2: <laughs> yeah how's how that
1: how cool was that <laughs> that was fun thank you for throwing me the waitress part in the middle of, i had no idea totally waitress.
2: forgot about the waitress no. part. <laughs> how did we forget about the waitress part like
1: all right you made a great waitress <laughs> you know Wow. Okay, so what do we call this? What, uh, what is I, I, There's an intro to the uh, podcast, so I'll have already introduced you and what you're doing and all sure. that. What are we calling this? What are we listening to right now?
0: This is uh, an original web series uh, called Black Sands. And um, it, the plan for it is to be a planned three-season arc, uh, very much like a three-act play um and each season is going to be cut up into uh six 35 40 minute episodes each Was
1: that the beginning
0: or are we at the very well, we weren't at the very
1: very beginning but this is episode 1 though This is halfway through right, episode, one. episode 1 Yeah Wow <clears throat> how long have you been uh have you been cooking this idea
0: up? uh we well you you started me uh, Tomer when i say you 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 started me uh brainstorming i think around june or july of last year right yeah
2: that sounds about right
0: um so yeah we're getting close to a uh, a year
2: here a year right? of yeah. uh non-stop <laughs> Of brainstorming work. and uh uh, uh uh planning and writing and yeah. all kinds of fun stuff yeah uh,
0: we we have a uh, we have a whiteboard in our makeshift studio in my basement outlining like the whole arc of season one and there's already stuff that we've changed (laughs) wow Wow. So so you haven't started filming uh no i mean we've we've done a little bit of uh location scout filming with jay childs of uh jbc communications he's partnering with us on the project right um but we we have not shot a single um piece of film yet that'll be this summer
1: this is gonna happen right
0: yeah Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's definitely happening. It's so exciting. I was gonna say, I mean
1: I can it's hear just the way you're talking about it. Yeah. You know. Uh, I'm sure the audience knows you're you're both very professional people. I've known you in a professional capacity in a couple of different ways. I don't care, you guys seem very excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half of the work, right? Right. Right. All right. So, you know what the podcast is about. This is the first time we've done this for spoken word rather than for music. <clears throat> How does something like this happen? Who's so first off? Whose work are we? Are, are we? Do we just listen to? Is this, you know, Tomer? Do you have an idea or Todd? Do you do this? How does this work? Is this a shared thing or does one person write the script? Um,
2: well, at this point, we have uh, three writers writing the script. Um, while we have four people actually that have collaborated to the uh, to the overall story and the storyline okay. and uh, that kind of stuff right um, so this what what we just read here I would say is a combination of uh, uh, of writing from uh, three different people actually I think I think all three of us did an edit on this
0: yeah this is actually this was one of our more it's interesting that we read, read this because this was actually one of our more problematic, scenes for a long time up through last fall um because we were struggling with making it interesting um we knew there was a lot of it's it's very much what I like to call a bridge scene in the Mm -hmm. middle of of the episode where we're introduced to two of the major characters um and get quite a bit of information in a short period of time so Tomer uh myself and uh, Rebecca Lorian, who's also our third writer, writer and um, understands a lot of the tropes of, of noir, which right. is what this very much is. Um, we all took quite a few passes at it. Um, and then we would make adjustments of what each one of us wrote and kept the best and added to that. And we all developed their characters' voices. Um, so it is very much a shared script uh the the original story concept is actually Tomer myself and Matthew Schofield and then um in terms of the writing physical writing of it it's been uh Tomer myself and um, Rebecca Lorien
1: how how does that work so in the beginning you have a do you like a treatment how how do how do you, how would I how would I describe this uh i how mean do you just you write down The entire story in in one page, you know, how does this? Well, at
2: first I would say we actually had a, uh, we just had a idea in terms of me literally telling Todd that he should start writing again. Um, And then he started thinking about just, you know, ideas in terms of what he wanted to write about. We did some brainstorming in terms of, uh, you know, especially this area in terms of being able to shoot around here because this is where we live. Right um, up here in the seacoaster. area. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then all of a sudden, this idea started to like jump out. He started talking to uh, Matthew Schofield about it, and um, then all of a sudden, this idea really came out, and we just ran with it.
1: Um, right, but
0: so that's what I'm getting at. Do you? How do you keep this? Is this all in your head, or do you, do you actually write that out? <laughs> a lot of? A lot of it was. I mean, a lot. I mean, uh, Tomer was really smart and how he kind of nurtured my creativity. I hadn't really written a full length script in over a decade um, since my last feature. Yeah. And uh, just because there wasn't any story I felt like telling and he, he had a really good idea in that, you know, he was like, he was like, what, think about what type of story you want to tell He goes, you go, you go driving around a lot and you're always looking at like places, you know, do you want to film at those places? And I, I started saying, yeah, I, I, there's a lot on Hampton Beach and Salisbury Beach and, and Seabrook and that whole ocean boulevard run of beautiful locales that I would love to film at and 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 Tomer said something very smart and he's like okay what start what do you want what type of story is going on in those buildings what do you what type of story do you want to tell in those buildings and I was like oh that's a that's a great exercise a lot of the how we started was just an exercise so it would just Brainstorm images I wanted to see, and then I just started creating um, characters and and I met and as he said, I, I talked to Matt Schofield, and we both realized we wanted to film a lot of the same like locations, and he had. Strangely enough, a lot of the same ideas I did. And I looked at him. I'm like, "Do you want to co- collaborate on this?" And he was like, "Well, I don't want to get all over your yeah. your stuff." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but no, you're not. Like, this is this is. You've got some interesting ideas. I got interesting ideas. Let's just let's just brainstorm because I hate writing by myself. I just wow. don't like it. Yeah. That's such an interesting thing to hear. You know, you would. I think. I think the, the
1: the stereotypical general idea of what writing would be about is I'll go off and I'll write the script and I'll come sure. back and give it to the you know whoever I'm yep. going to give it to and then we're done and I obviously I mean I know that it's not quite that way but so right from the beginning it was sort of a collaboration. You have your ideas, yeah. but you brought collaborators in right away from from
2: the very beginning. This was a true collaborative process in terms of wow. um, thinking about this idea, running with that for a little bit, figuring out what we liked, what we didn't like, and then kind of you know produce ourselves in a certain way to go with that story. And I mean, I I I can't even count the amount of times that we. You know, I've sat down talking about the idea of this in terms of where do we want to shoot, what kind of story do we want to tell, where do we want to go with these characters, and I've completely scrapped it altogether, even though it has been in there from the very beginning. I mean, some of these relationships have literally, since we started talking about it, um, so some of these relationships have been the same for about, I would say, six, seven months. And just in the last month, we completely scrapped it. You mean altogether. The, re- the relationships between the characters? The yeah. relationships between the characters, right. yeah. Yeah, it's the things that we've uh, thought about and had in place from the very beginning. We just scrapped last month, basically, because all of a sudden it didn't work anymore in the story right. that we were creating, uh, collaborating on together.
1: So so you have some ideas, you have some general, you have some maybe starting points? Is that a, a good oh, yeah, way to put plenty. In? So then, how does this kind of thing work? You have a plan for, like you said, almost like a three-act play. Do you arc out the whole thing? I mean, and again, you don't have to... Yeah,
0: we, I'm sorry, we, I'm kind of asking you to, to speak for <laughs> all people who ever write anything like this. Oh, no, this. no, we're, 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 we're definitely flying without a net on a lot of this, but that's kind of the fun part. Of me. I mean, I've, I've come... I mean, we're also bringing a lot of, like experience in the theater world all three of us and by extension people who understand the noir tropes as well um but like a lot of it is is i'm like driving around i'll go driving through a lot of locations i want to eventually secure and just brainstorming on what i want the characters to do as you know see visuals of of what i want to happen and then a lot of the narrative part i create kind of 5,000-foot view, big picture of it, but all of us color it in. Like, you know, all of us have grown up on, you know, dramas, action thrillers, series, um, web series, and that kind of stuff. And we all know what we're interested in watching. And more importantly, we all know what, what we feel confident in avoiding a lot of the traps that make us stop watching. So whenever any of us... That was the big thing that I like set down and Tomer agreed with and, and Matt agreed with it. Anything that felt forced, fake uh, you know uh, uh, just, just trying to make it go a certain direction without earning it. We had to knuckle down and go, no, it can be better. You know what I mean? Because I mean, hell, if you're going to work on something like this, you might as well make it the best it can be. Um, so it's nice. I mean, the last thing I want is to come up with all the ideas. Like I, I I've come up with a great amount of them. Um, and the concept and everything, but it's it's boring as hell for all the ideas to come from me. It's way more interesting to bring in people that get your vision and want to contribute and, and make it part of their vision too, you know? Because right now, I mean, I, I don't have any money. I mean, this is mm-hmm. literally just people volunteering their valuable time to create something that m- maybe someday we can monetize, yeah. But right now we're just doing it because they be- they believe in it and they want to create something cool. People who listen to this podcast know that I'm the a, a tremendous champion of the posse
1: concept. The idea that yeah, that artists for can can take up a very strong stance of saying, I am only gonna do this is my vision, and or artists can get together and go, look, let's just see what happens. Let's work together, yeah. let's find it, let's let's treat each other. With respect, at the same time, let's just make decisions that we think should happen. And, exactly. And especially in the digital age, um, it works beautifully for a lot of different types of things. So you can hear the fascination for me here is I'm looking at this not from a musician's point of view, where people, you could make music completely by yourself, but and that can be very powerful, but you can also make music By responding to the other musicians around you It's interesting that um, You have these abstraction layers Um, uh, So Like If the audience is watching a band And the band is playing a song There must have been an original vision They know that But they're watching it in the moment, right? But the musicians are not just responding to the original song They're also responding to the moment With the other musicians Mm -hmm. And they're also responding to the moment With the audience, right? So now when you bring this into what you're talking about, you have another layer of this where I'm guessing that the writers are responding to one another before we even get to acting and filming and post-production and putting the thing together. And there's so many different layers. I guess I'm trying to objectify these so I can feel like I understand them. But I, at the same time, I realize this is going to be pretty damn subjective in the end.
0: Well, you're you're you bringing up the fact Like the comparison to music is actually really accurate. I mean, I, I, something I told the crew early on was that I'm going to give you the sketches, like in jazz, and we're going to work within those sketches. But, um, you know, I've, I've always worked like that in theater. I've always gone to the actors and said, I've always described to the sketches one of my, one of the biggest influences in terms of, Theater and film art for me, weirdly enough, was Miles Davis. Wow! Yeah, because he knew how to get a lot of original, amazing work out of his collaborators. While saying these are the sketches you can play within, and he and he was really good at selecting talent. Which I, I mean, I also think I'm very good at. I was I was right. basically an artistic director at a theater for like 20 years, and that's what I did. Um, but all it is is just looking at talent and going. I think you know you these are the sketches you can play with and having the faith in them to come back and and have something pretty special that requires a,
1: a special that <laughs> requires a lot of control of your own uh, art and your own connection to your art i know I know a number of artists would rail against that. Like the last thing I would oh, like to do, do is then <laughs> hand it over to someone else, right?
2: But at the yeah. same time, you know, uh, in in theater especially, which is what I would say we have actually, me and Todd have uh, most of our experience, and it, it is all that collaborative nature where, you know, even as a director, and I mean, we've worked together with Todd as a director and me as an actor a bunch of times now, in terms of how we both approach a any kind of project, we both come into it with a certain idea about where we want the character and the story to go and if that doesn't gel then you got to compromise you got to collaborate right. on something right. that works for both of you because you're both bringing your own experience and your own talent and everything that it is that you know you want to put into the show you're bringing that both in so you got to figure out how to make that gel together and in terms of this us being you know the the, the creative people on the back end of Black Sands here um it's the same thing you know in terms of us writing in terms of us you know doing a, a a theatrical show together it's all the same thing you just work with something and figure out how to compromise so that you both enjoy what you're working on and here we get to write it ourselves which is great
1: i'm i'm catching up i'm kind of like i'm running up i'm running behind your your <laughs> trucks here and kind of figuring out how this works so I'm trying to picture this happening and try to understand how this, obviously uh, there has to be fuel, right? And uh, I feel like I'm guessing the fuel is the excitement of seeing it happening or, or seeing it sort of like, you know, coming up out of the ground alchemically or, I mean, how does that work? Where do you, where do you, are? is the goal, are you, is your fuel, you can see the film and you're kind of, You know, manifesting it, or is it the day to day? You please talk about what that. It doesn't. I'd imagine it's a little different for
0: everyone, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, for for me, a friend, a good, an old friend of mine once said to me, uh, actually, I mean, he's he's he runs the Water Monkey in downtown Portsmouth. Hey, Aaron. (laughs) What a Um, (laughs) beautiful. Keep going. He uh, he. We grew up together. um, We were like childhood friends, and and he said something really sweet to me just not too long ago because we still hang out a lot. Um, he said, "You know, one thing I always, always admired about you is the fact that when you decided you wanted to do something, you just did it. Like, <laughs> like he's <laughs> like you wanted to make a movie. Like we were making movies, yeah. you know, when we were kids, right. and that was back when you had like the the big ass VHS." camcorders that were you know that gave you you know a sore shoulder and yeah and he was like you just did it you, you cast it you made it you didn't boom but so i do think there is a certain amount of of manifesting what you ultimately see even if it changes a lot as you go like i centrally i for me i can see what the series is going to look like i know what the influences are i know what atmosphere and what type of story I want to tell where I need a lot of help. And you can ask Tomer, I've like dragged, I'm like, guys, you need to help me on this part. Right. Like I, I only have so much experience in so many areas, you know, and I, I'm not going to bullshit um certain relationships between characters and that sort of stuff. You know, I I oh, I, I, oh, motivate I, I motivate people I motivate people to bring a lot of their experiences to their art Um, and I don't know I just I I I I always I have a big enough ego that I know that I can pull together the right people but my ego isn't so big that I don't want to be the only one talking in the room if that makes any sense
1: well I can see I can imagine again on behalf of the audience when you hand a, a script over to an actor that they're going to see themselves in it, and they're gonna, and you're gonna direct them, and it may change a little bit. I don't mean word wise, but I mean just the performance of it is hopefully yes. gonna take advantage of the actor's strengths, right? It, does that happen on the on the writing side as well? I mean, does like does Jane just she's she just writes this one character? Great, so let's just hand it over there. Is that how, how does that kind of break up? I think Do this, people write the action this is scenes? better for you. Tom. So,
2: <laughs> so the way that we have been approaching it is. Me and Todd were for a while. I mean, Todd was really for the f- whole first half of the writing process. He was the the only one writing on it, and I was editing him. Right. And I was right, right. I, I was producing him in terms of well, I don't think this is working. Let's go a little bit more this way.
1: Hang on. So you mean by producing, you mean uh, guiding the process from yes. maybe uh, from an objective standpoint? Yeah, from, from okay, you
2: know it. like like an editing point of view, basically. Right. Uh, you know, just like you would edit somebody's novel in a, in a way. Understood. Um so in terms of that we were really working on it really between the two of us with a lot of uh added insight from uh, uh from Matt uh in terms of the story and where it should go. And we were working on that for a while and then we really started expanding it a little bit. We got another writer involved. We started really casting it with uh uh a lot of uh great actors around this area and, and also in New York. And um, that idea of seeing these people that we thought were perfect for these roles in those roles really fueled even more in terms of the character building, because all of a sudden we got more ideas in terms of, okay, what if this character can do this instead, because that would be great for them to do. And it makes sense in terms of how we see these actors in our heads in doing these shows right cuz they're
1: almost like a, like I'm sorry I'm going to say manifest over and over again but like they're like a physical manifestation of this exactly. idea and now you see this actor exactly
2: and you know like all of that could change still but for now i mean that is really fueling a lot of the these story building and these character building things that we are doing at this point um, i think writing wise uh, it has been a, an interesting process especially uh, getting feedback on it from uh, some of the people that are going to be playing these characters, because that gave us ideas as well. You know, after the first read through in terms of how that went, uh, we sat down and we were like, "All right, let's let's look at this. How is this working? There are some things that are not working. Let's change them around. Let's see what we can do with it." And what's a
1: what's a read through? Did you are you reading you read three seasons? Are you do you is this no, is that how this works? No, I don't know how this works. We uh,
0: no, I mean, d- d- believe me, we're not operating off of any kind of like. Um, traditional schedule no it, it, <laughs> right. we, we've in terms of writing we are pretty much getting to the end of our production draft for episode one and we've started hammering out a few scenes for you know episode two but as far as the series goes we have hit and I'm Tomer and I talk a lot about this too it um we're very careful in terms of decisions about characters Mm -hmm. and where they're going to not paint them into a corner. And we were, Mm -hmm. we were catching ourselves on that earlier in the process. And we realized that if we're going to work on these characters, you know, I'd say there's like right now there's like six major characters. Um, If we're going to work with these characters, we can't write ourselves into a corner too much about what they're all about. So, we were, you know, we're always reminded when we're reading what we've written and everything, you know, if, if we decide we're going to do so, this with this character, we got to stick with it. Are we prepared to do that? And right. so, where, and there's a lot of you don't know, you know, there's a lot of it is on faith. There's a lot of it, a lot of the faith is in the alchemy, you know? I'm going it to, let me
1: call you out on that. What do you mean? What do you mean you don't know? Do you, well, do you know what's going to happen in episode six, season so we three? Sp- well, so we
2: have a, we have a storyline kind of figured out in terms of the first season in terms of where we want things to end up we know where we want Um, it to end season exactly one we know where we want it to leave it and we know where we want to go with it in season two and three yep um, in terms of just the you know the the the, the character arcs that would make sense for these characters because it it makes sense to put it in a three act play kind of thing yeah
1: you can hear I'm sure you guys are picking up like (laughs) This is amazing. Like I would think, you would just write the whole script for three years and uh, or what three seasons. I'm sorry, not years. Sure, and then do it. Yeah. Well, you and know, of course, in- I'm smart enough to know that that may not happen, but it's awesome. So you are characters yourself. I mean, you're actually this whole thing is alive. Is that how this works? That's well, that amazing. it's
0: funny. Yeah, it's funny you said that because when we had the table read, it was the first time. You know, we had almost almost all the actors there. The only reason one of the actors couldn't show up that, that was Trevor. He was doing Hamlet in Boston. It's like okay, <laughs> I can't hold <laughs> that against you. I guess you can go. I guess do you that. can go That's do fine. Hamlet. Um, we should, we should. But it, what was really cool about it is and I said this to Tomer. It was a lot because we had only we had a lot of these this dialogue hadn't been said out loud. You know what I mean? Like we had yeah, been yeah, writing yeah, yeah, it yeah, for months. Yeah. So at the table read when we everybody sat there and we all, you know, the crew and the cast, we all said it out loud. The fact that none of these characters, nothing existed like this a year, nearly less than a year earlier. Um, you could feel it again, using your word manifest itself just with our energy in the room. Yeah. We were making it a reality from nothing. And you know, that, that to me is, is someone in, in theater and, collaborative it's it's a big deal you know, that's this, the moment that's, that's the moment it's like you can only control it so much I actually I actually Tomer knows about this I actually <laughs> had kind of almost like a meltdown four days later emotionally emotionally it, it was terrifying because it was it went yes. really well and then it was like fuck it's this is real. real it's
1: in the world it's yeah.
0: real now yeah and I really had a hard time that week like Tomer, ask Tomer. I saw him afterwards and he was yeah. like what was wrong, man? And I was just like, it was real. <laughs> yeah, but it's really real.
1: In music, most of the time, especially in the digital age, you can kind of make a mock-up of what it is you're trying to do if you're if you're that type of person, if you're going to put a bunch of different things together. The classic uh, situation for music is when you orchestrate something to be played by an orchestra. Mm. 40 years ago, you just make a bunch of chicken scratches mm-hmm. on the paper, and you just, know it's going to sound good and then that one day when you go to record it or perform it Mm -hmm. you're like all right (laughs) upper left hand corner let's do it you know (laughs) and and then through experience you know now you can kind of make a a, a mock-up of it you can make a demonstration copy of it by using virtual instruments and all that but there's nothing like it um Whatever, I, 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 there's a story in here which is for another time. But <laughs> I can tell, oh, oh, easy one. We worked on uh, something out in Prague, and anybody who's ever been to Prague knows. From America, knows you're always tired when you're in Prague <laughs> because you can't go there easily from America, and, and you know it's, it's always the wrong timing and all that kind of stuff. And it's and it's under pressure. And, and I remember that we got down, no sleep, the whole thing. Da da da. This thing, like you said, just came to life like a I don't know yeah like a water dragon coming up out of the and I'm just sitting there and and I remember looking at my friend Ed who we we had both written together and I go all right we're gonna need to take turns on this he's like fuck yeah we're gonna need to take turns on this I'm gonna go out there and sit out there and I'm gonna cry my fucking eyes out and then you're not going to you're gonna hang down here and produce and then after the first take we're gonna switch i'm like i'm not gonna make it to the second take bro <laughs> he's like it's true this is you know 15 yep. 20 years ago 15 years ago yeah it's always the same i'm so exciting yep. it's exciting that, that
0: that it feels that way to you right like well it was i'm I'm gonna speak really quickly but then i want Tomer to chime in too it was a lot for me because um it wasn't it was the one thing about it, it, it was alive in the room with all of these people together, but it was something else too in that it was a lot of people that I really respected. Like, you know, to have, you know, Billy Butler and I and Tomer, you know, we're all friends and we're Billy's collaborators. he's a fantastic musician and, he, but, and, and but, artist around here. Well, that's the thing, running. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with these people, like Tomer, but it's not like working with your friends. I, I'm not sure people kind of get that. It's... Yeah, they're your friends, but when it when it comes down to the work and it comes down to the art, I really respect these artists. Mm-hmm. And I respect where they come from in terms of their craft and their skill and their their opinions, you know, they 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 know what they're talking about. So to have Billy there just kind of go this is this is good and actually have some really really great um Ideas and things that he was contributing, a major idea that we that I adopted. Like I was like, that's a you know we're all in agreement. That's a great idea. Um, The fact that he's taking an artist like that is taking it that seriously. That's intimidating. I mean, it's wonderful, you know. Thank you, Billy. But I mean, it's (laughs) it's intimidating because um, it means that it's that good that it warrants that 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 closer look. It's one thing to just go, oh yeah, that's a, that's good, man. I liked it. It's another thing to be like, that's great. Here's some. Here's somewhere we can twist. Here's some. And I'm like, oh, this this is and this isn't even like us putting on a performance of a play that exists already in the world. This is something brand new, yeah. right? So it's a lot. Well, you hadn't you hadn't you hadn't written for a while either. So that, not in that's, this way at all. This is I have I've never written long form web series ever. But I hadn't written a script in over a decade, right? <laughs> so, Kevin, I, yeah, I can I'm I'm relating to what your what
1: your moment must have been like. I mean, after all this, here you go, like put that jacket back the fuck on because yeah. here it comes,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's uh, it, it it's great. I mean, it's really great, and it's great because Tomer, you know. For whatever reason, one day he just woke up and he was just like, "Dude, you're gonna start writing again." <laughs> Do you mind talking about that?
2: No, I I, I don't mind at all. <laughs> Do you Actually. mind him talking about that?
1: <laughs> he might he might not like it as much. Um, I, I, but I mean, if none of this stuff exists, it doesn't come up out of the
0: ground unless all of these things happen. Sure. Well, let me introduce like it by saying on my end that. For all intents and purposes, around that time, the last thing I was fucking thinking about doing was writing, for a lot of reasons. Like I just I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And then again, the 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 friendship thing notwithstanding, and, and they do they are hand in hand. But Tomer actually invested in my art. Right, he invested in me, and people go, you know, people invest in people and everything, but I don't think they really think about the term of it. Tomer took the time. To invest in me as an artist, right. and I hadn't had that in a very long time, right. um, and more than that, he and he can speak to it. He guided me um, very much through exercises that, like you would have in like a master screenwriting class. Right. So that <laughs> which meant is a ridiculous lot to me. because
2: I've never mm-hmm.
0: taken a yeah, master but
2: screenwriting it, class
0: before. It opened my eyes yeah. to a lot. But anyway, I'll I'll move it over to him. So.
1: What do you? How does this? How does this feel to you? Where did this all come from? For me, yeah, for me personally,
2: I, you know, I. It's weird. I think mo, more than anything, I really um, wanted him to write his own story. Um, I think that's really where it came from is we have we had done so much work together already in terms of uh, uh theater and all these plays uh, that have been written by other people before So it's
1: interpretive work. Is that what you mean? Tell me if I'm wrong. What do you mean? The the work that you do on plays that have already been written. Sure,
2: yes. I mean you're right? you're taking the words from a playwright and you're translating them to the stage Understood. in a way, you know, like and however that vision may be, you're doing it in you are taking somebody else's words where, you know, Shakespeare Has had so many different productions done of every single one of his plays, and they're all a little different. So, in terms of that, you know, you take somebody's work and you roll with it. um, And because you have stories to tell, and those stories are like your own in a way. And I know that he's a writer. He showed me his feature film that he wrote, and I
0: liked it, and it was good. And All I, I saw was like, the seams when we were watching it. I didn't. I couldn't yeah, understand why you liked it so much. <laughs> whatever. I, whatever, like, whatever it this is... is
1: so fascinating. And again, as we go, I'm going to keep bookmarking sure. as we go. Uh, what was the name of the the feature film? Summer Blink. Summer Blink. Yeah. Gotcha. And that was from a long time ago or recently. <gasps> we shot it
0: in 2007 and released in 2008. It, it. I mean, quite a few people saw it. It. It made some rounds. People know about it. I'm. I mean, I'm proud of it. But it was sure a different time. Of course. Yeah. You know. Oh, seven back in the aughts, okay. <laughs> heavy so, aughts. So
1: you saw the film.
2: I saw the film and I knew that he's, that he, that he's a writer, uh, even though he hadn't written anything for a while. And I was right. like, dude, you need to tell your fucking story, man. And he just wouldn't. I, I've honestly, I've, I don't know if he remembers, but I've been bugging him to write for like two years. He, he keeps saying like, I should write, I, I've always thought about this idea. I'm like, well then just go write it. And he wouldn't and then there another one would come up I told him go fucking write it and he wouldn't right. and then eventually we got to a point where I was like alright well maybe I'll look at it a little different and see what other new things he can come up with and try to you know do that and it kind of worked out eventually he yeah. I think he just gave up and started writing <laughs> um, well no I, I actually <laughs> I,
0: I can I can speak to that very briefly it wasn't so much that I was like, fuck it. It was more that the way you framed it made it more interesting to write. Right. I, it's like I was kept you going know, through one door, and then you were like, dude, there's a back door. Let's go through well, that exactly. door. Right. So
2: <laughs> in, 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 in terms yeah. of that, I, what, what I like the most about what I do in terms of uh, theater, in terms of being creative with people, figuring out how they work. I mean, that's the biggest thing is figuring out how people work because when people are comfortable and when people know what they're doing and do their homework, but when people are comfortable and figure out a way to, you know, do something, they all of a sudden can excel at it and you just have to find the way to do it. And with Todd, I was like, all right, well, let's find out a different way to do it because I know you're a writer. I know you can write. We just have to figure out the way to give you that inspiration of writing
1: i mean that feels like the role that i would qualify as producer i mean it feels like you're defining the role well
2: and in terms of that that's why i i kind of say that i've been producing him on this because all i've really been doing especially for the first initial writing part the first six months i would say was producing him in terms of all right this isn't working for you let's figure out a different way that you can kickstart this writing and this creative process because i know you have a story to tell
1: yeah it's interesting it's a it's an interesting role in music and it's a really Mm -hmm. tricky role in music and a lot of people don't they don't quite understand it well number one the word producer is used for a number of different jobs so it's a funny word it it is from just someone who just spreadsheets out the timing of something mm-hmm. or keeps track of the executive mm-hmm. producer or keeps track of where the money's coming from or whatever. Uh, in music, some producers are very Svengali type, you know, where, where they'll they'll find someone and say, hey, I'll write you a bunch of songs. You like He's like David Foster. He writes sure. the songs mm-hmm. himself, finds someone to sing them, they become a hit. He just hangs out and, you know, flies his airplanes or whatever. Sure. But um, is this a common thing for writers? Do writers have... Someone who kind of helps them through the process. Is I, there? I, I mean, for uh, in terms of screenplays, playwrights, that kind of thing. I
2: honestly, do, I think they should. I think, I <laughs> think, I, I think, I, I think every writer should have somebody that helps yeah. them in terms of their creative process, in terms of how yeah. to figure that out. How is it that you write the best, and how is right. it that you uh, uh, can keep going with it? Yeah. Um, in terms of that, I think everybody should. I don't know if they actually have this because this is my first pass at producing something even close to film related.
1: Right. Um, Oh, but, yeah, let me ask you that: Have you, have you? So you have not worked in on this side of film before?
2: On this side of film, I have. Well, you know, I did. I, I, I helped like write and direct this silly film in high school. No, I understand. Um, but other than that, no, I've been. Uh, I've been sure, an actor. You're, you're an actor. Yes. Yes, I I, I've right. been an actor on a couple right. of short films before, right. um, uh, and I've been right. on camera before. I've had training on camera before, of course. But of on course. the other end of it, I did writing in college yeah. and. Um, This is the first time since college that i am actually started to write again as well. Um, I had to make you write too. Yeah, he he made me write eventually as well. Um, And I've done some of my most favorite writing that I've ever done now on this project. Mm -hmm. Um, While I kind of had put it aside for the whole acting thing. Do you trade...
1: I'm sorry, I'm hung up on this. So let's just get get (laughs) it out, get it done and move on. How do you... Do you pick a character, or do you always write one of the characters? You no, always write one of the characters.
0: I both both Tomer and I this have is been such very... a naive question. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> let's, not. Let's please, honestly, we're kind of inventing the wheel a little bit here. Yeah, I least. can get, uh, I
1: got that impression. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's good.
0: It's wonderful. I, we're feeling. Yeah. We're feeling it more than anything. But I mean, like, you know, Tomer and I, I rely on Tomer to give me assignments, and he relies on me to give him assignments, and Rebecca relies on me to give her Assignment. assignments. What does that mean? Well, I mean, like Rebecca and I always meet every Wednesday to write. Um, okay. She always comes okay. over. Okay, so you have a temporal moment where you you can look forward to it, you can execute on it, and you yes. can look back at it. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times we'll just write in the same room and just right. kind of hammer out. Because we're, we were using for a, a software Celtics, yeah. which allows – it's all – cloud-based and we can all like access it I was going to ask you later on but
1: please go yeah. ahead yes gotcha um, so, so everybody OCs everybody. everybody who
0: gets invited can see each other's and yeah. um, you know a lot of times like look, like Rebecca and I will always meet every Wednesday right. um, and we'll always leave the session with um, follow-up action items like I want you to take a look at you know sometimes I'll tell Rebecca I want you to take a look at this scene or even yeah. as an exercise right these two characters talking Tomer will say to me you know I want to work on this part what do you think about working on this part so nothing is tried or true I'd rather everybody touch all the characters at some point um, because I think it also one of the actresses Dana Stern who's playing Maggie uh, made a comment at the table read um, she's from New York uh, she said that what, what she really liked about the characters is that they all sounded like different people not like one writer creating all these different voices, but they actually sounded like different people, but they work with the atmosphere. Um, And I think honestly, all of that comes from, I'll use that word again, alchemy. You know, you just Mm kind of, you kind of mix it together, all the cooks, and sometimes you're gonna have too many cooks in the kitchen, but this feels like right now, the right amount of cooks. Right. You know, because also the, the, the workload doesn't get to be too much. I was starting to get like panicky because I was like, I can't, I'm hitting brick walls with these characters and I don't want to write it all. You know, I think we should all be contributing to it. And as director, I will, you know, you you have one person steering the ship. Right. But you know, I, I want everybody to contribute to the voices of these characters. And then when that happens, I think you create something more original.
1: This is. Uh, can you give us the five Ws on where this is? We just read a, a um, an excerpt, but we didn't set it up. I mean, when is this uh, time wise set? Is this
0: in the fifties or current or current. future? Current. Yeah? It's. Uh, we actually have. Well, we're working through about three different timelines uh, that are con- that are conflicting with and each other. And let me just. Yeah. Let me just say right now,
1: please, like. I'm not asking you to give anything away,
0: right? Like, no, it's fine. Right. Uh, we've, we've right. been running around with what we're going to say and what we're not going to say <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Good. for a year. Good. Um, no, it's, right. it's three different timelines. But lines. current. It's current. It takes yeah. place right now. People um, have cell phones. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, the, the, the path, what we like to call the core timeline right. is what the series is introduced with and it's what it'll end with. Um, the core timeline is what's happening like right now as we speak. That's why it's right. like 2019. Then there's a timeline of a year earlier when this whole, let's call it situation started. And you're seeing that timeline in chronological order, flipping back and forth between that and the core timeline. And then there's this whole like six to eight months in between. That's like this, this dead zone where we don't know what happened there. That's kind of like the mystery timeline that we'll come to later. But it, it's great. It's fun for writing because you don't get too stuck in one narrative flow. Mm-hmm. If you're having trouble with one area wow. and you want to skip to yeah. a year ago and focus on that for a while, yeah, it kind of allows for that you know
1: let me riff on that uh so i work on contract work a lot of the times and i get very caught up in things and and uh i'm lucky not to have a lot of writer's block but there are times where i'm just not that inspired right. a friend named eric who's a concept artist for the games industry as well and he did this thing he, he hit blew my mind he goes don't you work on two things at once i'm like what do you mean he goes yeah you have a couple of pieces of music for this thing I'm like, "No, I work on one and when it's done." He goes, "No, no, no, no." He goes, "I always have like three drawings up yeah. on my computer. Yeah. And I get tired of one, I just go to the other one." I'm
0: like, "What are you talking about? You can't do that." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just said the same yes. thing.
1: You you just you can just float around." Sure.
0: Jeez. Wow. Well, go well, what we also gave ourselves an out because we have all of these conflicting timelines which we are sticking with the rules of the narrative we're not just flying willy-nilly and being like now we're going to do this if anything <laughs> we have to earn it more you know we have to look hey, at you a used lot that of that
1: term before what does that mean earn, earn it? it yeah um it,
0: it keeps you honest as a as a storyteller you know i think there's a lot i mean if you look at a lot of movies and in series and you know you can you can kind of tell where the writing sometimes gets a little lazy or or where they're just like we want to take well, you, this. you can tell, but yeah, I guess I don't know, <laughs> and I'm not saying we're perfect either you no, know no, no, I, no, no, at all, understand. but I mean like you know, you know I think we have all of us have enough understanding of of narrative and that if a character gets and the, you know again that goes back to what Tomer was saying in, in working in theater and understanding beats and 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 how uh a story flows, you know that you need to earn emotional uh, checkpoints without just automatically saying, well, you have to feel this way as an audience member about this character without oh, getting see.
1: there. Beats like the big beats, the big moments exactly. that are going to happen, You
0: can't yeah. just have a moment. Like, you know, you, you can, but yeah. it'll fall, I think, a little flat because right. you haven't earned where the story or where the characters have gone with that. Right, know, the, right so it feels
1: authentic at the
0: time right. it feels like it should have happened when it does happen right instead of it feeling like well I need you to feel this part here just because I need you to well that's not fair yeah. and the audience yeah. and audiences are smart they're sophisticated they they can yeah. tell if something's working and it not working yeah, yeah exactly it's
2: like the uh, end of uh, the season four of Weeds when all of a sudden right. they move across the country and why did they do that well it's because they had to get rid of some characters and stuff right. like that like you're not earning your move. Yeah, at so that it's point, not as bad you know? as
1: like you know day six Ex- Machina. So it's, it's more like exactly. It just, just kind of it feels forced. It, right? Exactly.
2: We're we're trying not to force things. We're trying to right. let these characters live in their overall arc, but within that, we are you know playing with their with relationships and how it's, they how they work together yeah, and, and, and and emotions.
1: It's it's fascinating because. On this podcast, we run into the same thing a lot. We run into the same types of um, situations. And uh, one of them is when great musicians play, a lot of the times they make it look quite simple. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, if they're really great musicians, it is quite simple. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, it's usually quite simple to just copy what they did. Except it leaves out this one major part, which is in the moment the musician... in. Invented this whole moment, yep. in a very simple well, fashion. So, just the fact that you can play what Eddie Van Halen plays doesn't make you Eddie Van Halen. You know exactly. what I'm Well,
2: it's you know, like I, I, I had this conversation with a a, a good friend of mine uh, uh, just a couple of days ago in terms of how I try to approach um, theater and just the creative process in gen in general. It's very much al- along the lines of you know just jamming in music is if you have a couple good collaborators, if you have a couple good musicians, you can get together and you can build a story. You can build a groove. You can build right. an energy together. Right. And you can you can make that into something real. You can make that into a script. You can make that into a song. You can make that into a movie, whatever right. it is that you want to do with it, as long as you have something to tell with it. So in terms of that, I, I like to think about this whole collaborative process that we have going for Black Sands is very much, you know, a jam band going at it. Right. Which is, you know, we have these just like in jazz, we have these stories that we wanna we have the story we want yeah. to tell. Right. We have we the song chart we wanna do. The head. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, and right. we know that we want to go through these chords. We wanna know we we wanna hit these points. Mm. But within that there's so much room for exploration and discovery right. and hitting certain notes just a little different. Right. You know, you you go up half a step and it changes the whole, respond, the, yeah. the whole uh, energy of the whole piece. Right. And that's what we're playing with. We're trying to figure out what is, you know, what is the good jam to go on this with and what is it that we can hit and what can't we hit along the way.
1: So if I understand correctly, in the end, the director is going to be responsible for making a lot of the Final decisions I mean if there's a binary you're going to go left or right this is what it is Is that correct generally speaking how sure I mean I would think in the case of a play right Mm -hmm. You're going to then put the play on and you're going to see the audience and see how it reacts And as a director of a play I'd imagine that you're going to respond to that situation Not that you're going to rewrite the play but that you are going to know hey this is where it's hitting I know as a musician there's a big difference between recording something like inventing something, recording it, and then sending the recording out Mm -hmm. and inventing something, playing it in front of people and then sending recording, making a recording. And There's that extra space. How does that work in film? Is there any connection? Do you just riff off what the other writers are thinking? Who is the audience? Or is the audience completely imagined?
0: Well, I mean, you know, I've been a film guy my whole life. I've been more of a film guy than even a theater guy. I I mean, I kind of... For lack of a better term, stumbled into theater, um, not to take away from the, the the incredible amount of work it takes. Right. It's just, you know, for me, I was always putting movies on stage. Right.
1: Oh, um, I see, I
0: see, I see. So, you know, I would think from a very cinematic point of view and anybody who works with me is absolutely not surprised about that. Um, so, you know, in terms of understanding what the audience is going to be for Black Sands, you know, the first audience is is us, is me. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I had and I an idea I wanted to follow up on that. You know, Matthew Schofield continued on, and Tomer is, is working with me too on, and as well as Rebecca. And that, you know, I was very inspired by and and watch. I've seen a lot of movies, say of like Michael Mann, a very kind of uh, slick looking sort of, uh, or even the the. Um, Uh, something like spring breakers was kind of like a a inspiration too. It's kind of like something that looks so candy colored on the outside, but underneath there's all this like, you know, for lack of a better term, that's this pus. Right. right, And, and I had, I thought it would be cool to kind of have this very neon colored, you know visually slick looking almost like the days of miami vice on on, in the 80s you really want to see this but keep going (laughs) yeah see there you go but at the same time kind of like subverting expectations you know i talk you know i I say it's kind of like a a post neo-noir feminist uh thriller drama you know like it it takes a lot of tropes a lot of admittedly sexist tropes from noir but also kind of turns them on their ear without while it's going further down the rabbit hole with them too and and Rebecca's very learned about noir you know she yeah. when she she studied it in school so she she knows the tropes like right there when we talk about them mm. and and she is also you know a feminist you know i i as well as my uh, regular stage manager you know Lindsay Green she she right. was wonderful for she's on this crew as well and She's always she was real as a as a jumping off point. Um, a sh- the last show that he that Tomer and I worked on, I, I directed, was uh, the Graduate. Okay, and this is a live show. A this theater. was a live show at Blair's yeah, Ring. Yeah. Um, it did very well, um, but we, you know, we took it as a snapshot of this particular time in the sixties and we, and I wanted to make it really authentic, but at the same time I was interested in presenting it from a very kind of like looking at it from a 2018 point of view with current sexual politics and that sort of thing. And you know, Lindsay was phenomenal in just sitting there and kind of like assistant directing to a certain Mm -hmm. point going, okay, this, this trope at this character, what if we explored going down here, not changing anything, Mm -hmm but just having the attitude difference. And right. that's what we're kind of doing, that's what we are doing with Black Sands is that we're taking very kind of traditional almost like sexist tropes in noir and instead of just going well we're not going to go do it that way, we're we're going to kind of look at it from a from the angle of very 2019 politics. Right. Um and I think that makes it interesting for the audience because it's something different. It's something hopefully unpredictable mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's it it takes very familiar um, narrative stop points that people can recognize but does something new with them it's like the the old comment that there, well, there's only six original stories right 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 you right. know and but it's how you riff on them so we're doing a different riff, right. right? Well, it sounds
1: it sounds like also if I have an expectation as a as a viewer or as a you know an art consumer, and then you you challenge my expectation, that's an awesome learning moment for everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in fact, regardless of how I react, it's it you force a reaction. That's mm-hmm. wow. All right. So there's a bunch of things that happen on this podcast. We have a couple of uh, a little segments that we that we float into here, but. Uh, let's make a decision right now. Would you like to read a little more right now or would you like to read at the end?
0: <clears throat> I'd prefer later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great. Then our first segment that we like to go into in the podcast here is called Road Stories. Now, <laughs> being that you're not... <laughs> our friend Phil even just goes like, road stories, road stories for the road. Uh, so he even wrote a little song about it. Um, Now, that's got to change because we're not talking about musicians who hit the road. But both of you have acted many times. Do you want to tell us a little story? no. No, a positive. It doesn't have to be negative. Can you remember? I'll give you an example. Some musicians will talk about that perfect moment. Like, you maybe didn't even know. You know, they played outdoors with this, and they were opening for this band, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, it happened. Like, you look up at the sky, and everything was... Can you think of a time where... Or another example would have been when everything just went totally to shit i'm fascinated with how uh actors hold it together when when everyone's gone completely i mean off the script or whatever let's see if you can manifest some version of road stories for uh for the listeners
0: Jesus i've got tons <laughs> I, f- I figured as much yeah. just pick
1: one um it doesn't have to be a big deal. We could just talk for a couple minutes, yeah. but it's, it's exciting, right? Like, yeah. In your, I, put my put a, put us in your shoes for a minute. Uh, there we
0: were. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I, I you, probably one that comes to mind just because I'm working with him right now was uh, when we were doing a um, a production of Hur- David oh, Rabe's I Hurley know. Burley. I knew he
2: was going to say this. Say uh,
0: that again. A production of. I'm sorry. What? Da- uh, David Rabe's Hurley Burley. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's, a, it's hilarious because, um, when he, when Tomer first, Tomer had seen a couple of my shows and still and really wanted to work with me for some reason. And, um, <laughs> so we were sitting there as we do and just chatting and, uh, and he was saying to me, he was like. Tomer talks a lot with his hands, you know. Yeah. And he was, he was like, "What?" You know, I was just sitting there, just listening to him. And he was like, "What if we did this show? And what if we did this show? And What if we did this show?" And I was like, "Sure, yeah, whatever," and everything. And then, and then he went, "Well, then there's also Hurley Burley and like an asshole." I just went, "Oh, well, I direct Hurley Burley without even remembering, right? How almost unwieldy it is to to put on, like it's a difficult and." I definitely had a moment during Tech Week because it was a mammoth production for the Players Ring. I mean, we basically Players made,
1: Ring is a relatively how many people? Sit? Oh,
0: uh, you probably answered 73, those. 75 right. people, maybe. No, it's, it's a it's, little it's a, black box theater, but it's a beautiful situation. It it's is. also yep. in a beautiful place and all Absolutely. that. But please continue. Go ahead. We we got so many talented people together, and I for I mean we had uh, uh you know Billy Butler I was directing Billy in that um I we had Quentin Stockwell lighting and and both Tomer and and uh Quentin were putting together the the design um I mean well, the design was done by um, uh Gina Bowker and, but the right. the fact that they were able to put this whole they basically made I was out of it at this point like I was just watching the design I was right. like sitting here going okay this is what we're going to do so like, you know, Gina brought the initial design and then Tomer and and Quentin jumped on it and then created they basically made the theater disappear. Like wow. it was We had
2: a working fridge. We had on a working stage. it was a working a, sink it was an apartment. on stage. <laughs> wow. We made it into a full apartment with stairs going up and everything. It wow. was it was
0: great. It dude. was nuts. And I was sitting here because you know, I was directing it, but I I always want to hire the right people or work with the right people that are going to bring what I'm looking for and and go beyond it. Mm. And I remember that was a situation where I was standing there during tech week, looking at this fucking set with a working fridge and you could like take chips out of the drawers and, and they turned the theater into an apartment and it had working stairs. You could go up into the loft and I was sitting here going and then, the the script itself is extremely unwieldy. Like, I mean, it, it it's it's just so much heavy dialogue. It, it's nonstop with very few, if any, I don't think there's any stage directions. Wow. And um I was sitting there, <clears throat> I was standing there doing tech week and it was going it was going well, but I had this feeling of I felt like I was right, like driving in terms of a straight play. I mean, I'm not comparing it to like, you know, the size of musicals or that sort of thing, but for a straight play in the player's ring in, in Portsmouth, it was pretty, it was a lot of talent in that room. And I remember at one point going, I feel like I'm just keeping this thing on, you know, on the side of staying afloat, you know, you feel like any minute you're going to hit the, the iceberg. Right. Um, And I was like, like, as we were going into uh, Tech Week, I remember one of the craziest, hilarious things was there's a lot of cocaine right. that you snort throughout the thing, especially Tomer's character. Uh, let's let's be clear. You mean the characters? The characters are snorting, are snorting cocaine, right? Not on the on, at, stage. on stage. No, I understand. I keep going. Please yeah. Continue. No, just <laughs> verifying. Um, so I looked up, and this was like one of like craziest things we were doing like i looked up um how they do it in the movies because i knew if you're going to be in that close quarter that um you can't fake that you can't just mime it going to it's gonna, it's gonna have blow to it it's gonna blow yeah. it no pun intended right, right, it's gonna right. blow it um so i was like okay i had to do some research on what's not only people do oh, but what's a safe way to do it goodness because <laughs> really, you shouldn't put anything up your no, nose. Like you really do. shouldn't put anything up your nose. Right. So I, I didn't want to like put any of my cast at risk. And I was always of the mind if I'm going to ask anybody to do something to cast. It's nothing I wouldn't do myself. Right, of course. So I looked up and, and what's the powder called? I Isotonal or yeah, something. something like right. This is what's used in movies and, and on stage. It's basically B12. It's, it's a powdered B12. Yeah, vitamin. Yeah. It's a vitamin. So you can order it off of Amazon. So I did. <laughs> so <laughs> I ordered this huge container of this isotone or whatever the hell it is. I'm sure I'm yeah. massacring it. That's okay. So, um, and this was the cocaine that was gonna get used. And I said that the cast in advance, I said, look, we're gonna we'd have some practice of snorting this, and it's B12, it's it's just gonna be good for you. You know, you'll be fine. You'll get a little bit I want, you know, you'll probably get a little bit of a drip in the back of your throat or whatever. Right, right. Um, but you should be fine. Mm-hmm. So it arrived. Tomer happened to be at my house when it arrived and I opened up the box and we're sitting there at the coffee table and I just went well no time like the present let's give this a try so we, we cracked it open and the two of us like a couple of dickheads have lines of this shit on my coffee table and we're snorting it up and I'm like how do you feel and he's like I feel great I'm like great but then what ended up happening is because it is B12 it gives you a lot of energy Oh, so shit. the hilarious oh, thing is, and, everybody, and you're getting a lot, lot of it, it,
1: and it's going directly I, to your freaking brain. I so, cannot
2: tell you how much uh, fake cocaine, how much B12 vitamin powder I snorted during <laughs> so tech-like. the last 20 minutes of that play because my character goes yeah. crazy at the end of that play oh, no. and ends up going like into the night just doing coke and uh, and and drinking uh, and going
3: completely
2: nuts off of his mind. It's not pretty. It was I and I came out after the show like, "All right, guys, let's go." Oh my this God. is great. The this show, is wonderful. May
0: I my, may I also say the show is 3 hours. Oh, Three my hours, no- and he's on stage almost nonstop yeah. with one emission. So he would come out after tech week. He would come <laughs> out. I'm like, How you feeling, Tommy? He's like, Hey, I'm doing great. How's it going? Let's go out for a drink, you know? <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, it's Dude, like don't, health- don't snort this next week, okay? <laughs> Take <laughs> the, a week off. The healthiest <laughs> Coke binge anyone's ever been on. But it's actually worked it's out pretty, great. weirdly enough, it's actually worked out pretty well for you because you've, haven't Tomer, haven't you been a, um, uh, a, uh, a technical or an advisor on how to do this since, on stage? Yeah. Since,
2: since that show, I've had a bunch of people reach out to me like, so I've heard that uh, you are proficient with fake cocaine on <laughs> stage, and we are doing a show that requires I the see. snorting right. of fake cocaine on stage. Well, I mean, so on. can you yeah. come in and like give us some and help yeah. us out? So I, I think I've been a fake cocaine dealer for like That's... a couple of years now. <laughs> just pull out the big bucket you're yeah, like yeah. All right. okay so you're going to give me 50 so it's bucks. it's <laughs> being used right now in the show that i just directed that just went up this past what's, weekend what's that show so um, uh, Paintbox, uh, original show by uh, john mccormack right. uh, off of a uh, album that he uh, put out last year right. and uh, made into a theatrical show yeah uh, which is wonderful and uh, yeah, it's being used right there
1: listeners of the podcast have, have this is the show that mm. uh, that john uh, you heard on two episodes ago so well, there you uh, go. it's it's pretty exciting i directed i had no idea he beauty. wrote cocaine into the damn script
2: <laughs> well, if it wasn't in there i think i put, it in, there. put it in you might see. have put it in i might have put it in i see
1: how it works Right. Well, I mean, uh, truth be told, I saw a, uh, I saw, a, I, I don't know what you want to call it. It was before the preview. It was the night before the preview. Tech uh, week night. rehearsal. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to sit in for the keyboard player uh, on Friday. And, Friday, and right? And the show, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I saw they were over on the side doing coke in the back, you know, and it's, uh, uh, it's a, I but have it has to happen. It. It's so, it's so ridiculous. It's like, it's like smoking cigarettes. It's like. You can't like oh it's uh, make believe I'm making a you know exactly cigarette.
2: you have to you know especially in theater there is that make believe anyways uh, in, in movies you can get away with you know making it all look very real sure, sure. in theater you have to have a little bit of that suspension of disbelief right there sure. so in terms of that you know some things you can get away with like smoke for example mm-hmm. especially because most theaters don't allow fire in right, there right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, if you can get away with, you know, even just a little bit of fake cocaine fake coke, that yeah. looks legit, then why not?
1: That's a great story. I can just picture you guys going, all right, well, we can't ask them to do it if we yeah, don't do no, it. no, I was Let's blast no, in into this.
0: no way was I going to ask, I would never ask any actor yeah. to do something I wasn't ready to do myself. Did you roll up a dollar bill? I, I think
2: we did. We did. <laughs> we did. We, did, we, did. <laughs> we 100% did. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we pulled it out and I asked him for a dollar bill. That's exactly what happened. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I can honestly say that I've never snorted white powder for a show before, so, <laughs> yep. until that moment. That was yeah. the thing. So, yay. Yeah, that list, was a fun bucket list. One. Me.
1: Well, I think that was a, uh, I think it was very gallant of both of you to to go out and, and you know lead from the front, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you got a road story there, boss.
2: Um, could I'll, be positive. I'll, could be negative. I'll give, I'll, it is. I'll give you a road story just because we're talking about the show, anyways. Um, sure about uh about hurley burley um so uh mind you this is the first time that I'm working with Todd mm-hmm. as a director on any yep. big piece really yep. um this was 2 years ago now um and um we are uh, we are rehearsing we are in rehearsal maybe second third week or something yep. like that and we are in the middle of this scene and um it's this scene where um, this this friend of the main characters come back comes back in and and just got thrown out of the car and okay. he's trying he's uh, he's a mess he's a drunk <laughs> he is on coke he is gone right. and she comes in and needs help really mm. and he is too out of his mind to give her any help whatsoever sure and we are going through the scene we are going through the motions of the scene you know script in hand. Reading the lines out loud and everything like that. And it was going okay and it was going just fine. And all of a sudden, Todd looks up. He looks at me and he says, Drop your pants. And I look at him. I'm like, Excuse hold on, me. Hold on. Are you on stage? Uh, we Where? are in rehearsal. In rehearsal. Guys. We are in right. rehearsal in, right. in, in in the players' ring. We are going through the scene and right. just and Todd rehearsing is the director. it. Todd is the director and right. he's letting us go through this scene until this one moment right. in the scene. And he says, "Drop your pants." And I'm like, "Excuse me, why, why, why do?" He's like, "You're out of your mind. You need to drop your pants. You're asking her. I mean, in the lines, it says uh, he asks the character to suck his dick, basically. Right. And he's like, "All right, you're going for it. Drop your pants. Ask her to suck your dick." I'm like, "Excuse me, okay. This is what we're doing now." And that kind of said, "As an actor, this is as your, an actor. This is your turning point. This, uh, there you and go. I'm like, I, I look at him. I'm like, all right." All right, and without missing a beat, I dropped my pants, and we kept going with the scene.
1: Wow, that what was it? Hmm. Did you know? Yeah, you think were do think that about to, that for a second. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> let me let me ask you a serious question. Like sure. When did you know you were going to be an actor? Was you were you quite young when you decided to do this? Yes. Okay. So did you see that far ahead that at some point you're going to need to act some shit that you just don't have in your life, and this yeah, is the oh, time? Absolutely. Well, uh, I, f- I, f- I forget it was a. Oh I mean, whatever. There are examples sometimes in just very what you would consider almost mainstream movies where actors are doing really fucking serious shit, yep. and we're just used to seeing it on screen. But from the sure. point of view of the actor, that's got to
2: be a big jump. Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely weird. I mean, I, I I think mostly with that is that that story especially was so fucked up that. Um I really trusted him as a director. That's to what lead I was getting me at. That's actually what I was going to gonna get at. Okay, right, well, yeah. there you go. Because well, it's trust, to, right? It's, like, it, it, it's not it's, just it's some all asshole going, drop your fucking no, pants. No, absolutely. It's like, no, no, no. It's, and and that's kind right. of like the the standard that we set for our whole working relationship together is that we do trust each other very much in terms of our collaborative process, in terms of where we think this story should go. how right. What is the best way to tell the story? And he told me to drop my pants and in that moment i was like all right that's a little weird but okay we're going to go with it all and right. we worked out in terms of okay no that actually makes sense in terms of where this character would go with that
1: right the direction doesn't just come out of nowhere the drag you know the todd you know the you know the gravity of this moment and you chose and
0: you trusted the actor and and <laughs> look i mean part of it too is you know, you also change as an artist as well. Would I do it that way now? Probably not. Um, right, right. I, I've, you know, I've had a reputation, I think a good reputation, for challenging work that that did push boundaries on stage, not in good. a not in in an exploitative way. If so, I don't think I'd have the caliber of actors and actresses working for me, right? Or working, or and I should say working on a show that I'm directing. And because I come with that kind of, for lack, I mean, as far as theater goes, yes, I'm pretty, I am pretty fearless. I mean, right. I'm, I'm fearful in other aspects of my life, but not that. And and it's only because I just want to tell the most genuine story. But with that, I think the people that work with me, and I remember um, that was said to me by certain performers I hadn't worked with before on Hurley Burley, is that, you know, they're like, I'm willing to go wherever you want to go because they've seen my work before. They know that I do value their time. I do. I don't look at them as like you know just movable props. If I'm, you know, eh, saying to Tomer, you know, drop your pants, it wasn't to humiliate him. It no, was Because no, in the moment, geez, no, it doesn't and come also, that way either. No. And also, I want to make sure to recognize that the uh, actress in the scene who is a wonderful performer, Amanda right. Dane. Um, she was always very clear to me from the beginning of what she was up for and what she wasn't up for. So I felt comfortable with those two particular performers to be able to already start exploring shit. And it ended up being a piece that was a part of the piece that ended up not only being a comical part of the performance, um, but gave across a uh, certain... image of the characters being pathetic. Yeah, right. it, it was remarkably a scene where the female character that Amanda Dane played, who I like to call the heart of Hurley Burley, the the, right. the, the character, she actually had more power in the situation than Tomer's character did. Right. In, in that you know, he drops his pants, but it's in a very kind of needy, pathetic sort of way. And that gave, and that lended itself to that character. Right. And it, and Amanda played it off that way as well. Right. So, you know, you, I try to work with people that, you know, obviously know what they're doing. I try to work with people that trust, like Tomer said, my vision. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm a rather empathetic person, and that's why I often say I would never ask somebody to do something I wouldn't do myself. <laughs> no, on stage. I know that's why. That's why the <laughs> yeah. story
1: yep. is it rings so true. You're looking for some sort of authenticity. You said something earlier too that that speaks to that too. Which uh, again, I'm sorry, I bore the people on the podcast. We talk about uh-huh. the same things over and over again. But it, authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. And it's like, and you said the um, that the audience is smart. And that's one of the best smart. pieces of advice I ever got. I got it from a relative of mine, my grandfather, a long time ago. Is that the audience is always smarter than you are? You, uh, the 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 easiest thing in the in in the world is to blame the audience for being dumb and not getting what you're doing, and that is never the case. No. And I don't think that I've ever found that not to be true. So, an audience, if that's what's supposed to be, if you're supposed to be doing coke on stage, and you're like well, we're going to make believe we're doing coke. The audience will immediately know. I can understand that. And I understand that that seems like if, look, if I signed up for a play in which dude gets his dick sucked, then yeah. I would imagine if we do the dick sucking thing yeah. at the scene that we're going to at least have to present this in somewhat of an authentic
0: fashion or the audience exactly. is just going to be like, this exactly. doesn't make any sense. Well, there's exactly. two things going on there too. I mean, I think audiences, I'll, I'll go that further than that. I'll say that I think audiences are smarter than they think they are. Right. I don't think I audiences give themselves yeah. enough credit. I don't think audiences give themselves enough credit for what they right. see in shows. They it's very much can be a herd mentality. I mean like you see people talking about right. movies online or plays online and you know they all, you know they can they can feel like they need to feel one way or need to feel another and you know I I would never dream of impinging my opinion of what the show is about on yours you know what I mean but but, I mean but at the same time because the shows I've done have been um, at times I don't know controversial or uh, envelope pushing in certain ways that's not the point like that was never like whenever I would talk to actors in advance of shows we were going to do about what was involved like you said if they had to snort cocaine or that sort of stuff. Right. I would always like actually have like lunch with them ahead of time before they even said yes to the role and say, look, um, this is what's involved in the show. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, you're cool and you feel comfortable on stage about stuff, but there's certain things we're going to have to do. Right. And if you're down with that, that's great. If not, no worries. You know, we'll work together again. Right. It's
1: funny. I mean, I know you guys a little bit. I think, I mean, I trust... That this would have already happened. I do understand this could be misunderstood from an uh, from maybe a listener's point of view But no, I don't feel like anything that you're saying is something where you're you're, you know Swooping in and doing something that would be negative at all I think you're offering the uh, an actor if you don't mind me Repackaging what you say. Tell Absolutely. me if it works um, You're offering the actor a, an opportunity you're like we're going to push some boundaries do you want to do this or not and you're not asking anybody to do something that they're not willing to Never. do but you are going to i certainly know as a musician the the best moments are when i'm like i don't know how this is going to work let's just fucking go and yeah. let's make it work and that's that's got to be a gift too but i do have to trust the uh you know the people that i'm working
0: with i had an actor once say to me and it was really a compliment um that somehow i uh, that somehow, uh, I had an actor say something to me that was a real compliment. Uh, they said to me that somehow I always created a, a safe atmosphere for performers to push their own boundaries. Right, right, right. And that, I really cherish that, actually. And I, that's, yeah. that's why I like working with actors. Right. You know, I want to see where they can go. Film, it's interesting. You can see I'm jumping
1: back and forth between yeah. that. So let's go to the second... Uh, the second little little thing that happens comes up all the time and see how it flows with you typically we'll we'll talk about when was the first what was the first like recording thing that you got or what was the first like if you're a musician what was the first record like CD or cassette or what was the first thing that was really yours now it's a little different I think when it comes to things like film or acting maybe I could say um what was what was the 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 vehicle for which you knew that that was it like i saw star wars and i'm like that's it that's it fuck it like what was the what was the movie or what was the play or what was the moment honestly it was
2: you know just to bring it up again it was probably hurley burley it was such a beautiful combination of everything it was like you know, it was uh, there were sparks flying. There right. was a- everything was happening at once, and it was
1: happening really well. I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm only just for the sake of time. I'm going to actually move forward. I didn't mean that. What I, I'm I'm not being clear. What I meant was when you were very young. Oh. what was the moment that you decided that you wanted to make these things? Right. So, for example, a musician might say, "Oh, well, you know, my my mom and dad got me this." You know. Bought me this record and I listened to it and it was amazing. Or sure. I was in in high school and I thought music was great and then I saw the Clash and I'm like fuck it, like you know the circus just came to town and I can never go home again or whatever. Do you have an equivalent thing? Was it a TV show you saw or was there a moment where you're like, I need look what we're doing isn't normal. <laughs> I
2: know, right? I wish what
1: we're doing has like david lee ross says we're sailing the seas of consequence yes and it's a rough sea this is not the bank job that you could have taken in high school and you can keep until 70 when did you know that you were gonna make the jump
2: i honestly i don't know if i ever had anything else really in mind don't make me cry now Uh, I honestly don't know. I think I have always tried to joke with myself in terms of, no, I, I I would like to be a lawyer or I would like to be, you know, a teacher or a professor or something like that. But I think I honestly have always wanted to do theater and to act. How did you know
1: about it when you were younger?
2: I, 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 I was so young. Yeah.
1: I did you I, go to the did you go to a play or
2: I don't think so even yeah. I, I I played like uh, uh my um I I played Rumpelstiltskin when I was like in like second grade or something really? like that or first grade I have a picture of it my parents gave it well to me. all of us and they were the like see? at some point and you know. and, and, <laughs> and in like the school play with like people from like fifth and sixth grade and I played Rumpelstiltskin and my parents were like see it was always meant to happen my i i my grandfather apparently said that I'm I'm gonna win an Oscar at some point. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but my grandfather used to say that. Yeah. But I always like to think that I always wanted to become everything, so I became an actor instead. Right. Because you kind of can. Because I well, you can. You get to explore so many different things. Right. I love doing everything. I love getting. I I I love learning new things. I love learning how to how people work, how how they work, how they think, what they go through. I just love that shit, and I want to do it all the time.
1: That's... What a great answer. Wow.
0: Okay, well, you know, go ahead, follow that talk. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, man. I, um... <clears throat> well, it's funny, because, like, movies were always, like, like, part of my life from, like, as a kid, yep. But I can't even say... Like I did acting, <laughs> I definitely did acting in in some a little bit in elementary and a lot in high school, um, and I enjoyed it a right. lot. Um, but you know, I, I I I had a moment. It was 1989 when um, Tomer's going to. I wasn't born. He yet. wasn't born. Yet. We know that. Okay. He's going to laugh at that. Tomer's going to laugh at this answer. Your though. listeners don't know that.
1: <laughs> Not true. Um, (laughs) They know I was
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true I uh, I remember Because I went to go see movies a lot with my dad Um, That was how we bonded And um, And I had a lot of respect for my father Still do obviously And uh, He was on a business trip And He went to go see We had seen uh, Rain Man the year before Tom right. Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Right. And we love that movie. Um, and I knew Tom Cruise was supposed to be in this Vietnam movie coming up called Born on the Fourth of July. Right. And um, he went to go see it on a business trip. And when he came back, it had shook him up so much. He wasn't sure I should see it. How old are you at this time? Uh, I was going into high school. Okay, gotcha. That's fine. So you're going into high school. going into freshman in high school. And uh, it just really affected him. He was a a military policeman. Um, He almost went to Vietnam. I would have been an army brat. uh, But then the war ended. So he he was that close to going over, and I would have been on a a military base, and that's how I would have lived, which is really interesting that I was that close. Um. So it affected him, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but yeah. Cruz's, you know, the, the Ron Kovic's, the arc the character went through and um, the, uh, you know, the, the battering his body took and the sacrifices he was making and everything. And I think I was intrigued. It was the first time I could ever remember. I, was in, I mean, there were certain movies that I wasn't allowed to see because they were rated right R when I, that sure. I wanted to see when I was younger. Sure. But this was the first time we were talking about a movie that actu- I actually saw like really emotionally affect my father. Right. Um, so I wanted to see it and he considered it and then he said okay you can go see it so I went with my best friend Dave um, and I remember I was watching it and I knew about Oliver Stone I knew I knew him from Platoon and I knew him Wall Street but I do I like talk radio seemed interesting but I didn't really like watch his shit Um, and I was sitting there and that was like the first time that a director's Approach like I reckon that I recognize that that that, that, I mean, I knew about directors, but I had never seen a film before that I could very clearly see a director's vision.
1: Oh, I see
0: what you're saying. And clearly working with actors and pushing them to do things they hadn't done before. Right. It wasn't just like a medium
1: that everybody uses we get the cameras we everybody acts we put it out there you saw i saw this art
0: post art to it yes like this i saw the skill that it wow. took to impact and it impacted my father which was a big deal to me so he got through to
1: your dad and yes. he got through to you yes and of course he got through to the rest of the world too yeah. yeah
0: so i i got very interested in you know oliver stone is is a director that's that's problematic um you know he's he's he pushes buttons um and and i don't always agree with his choices but he one could never say that a he's not intelligent and b he's not talented you know he knows how to get a lot of very challenging material across in a very entertaining fashion those are
1: kind of objective viewpoints subjectively the art is in many cases Astonishing, Yes. Oh, I'm a huge fan of... No, I mean, and, of, I, and yeah. to me,
0: I'm one of the people that will excuse A in order to get B. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I fo- I started following his films, and, and then the year after that, Goodfellas came out. Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas came out, which also blew my mind. And mm-hmm. I was like, who is Martin Scorsese? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I need to learn all You're about Martin buffet. Scorsese. <laughs> and then my friend, and then there was a triumvirate. My friend, a little later in 1990, came over with um, A Clockwork Orange. Oh, my goodness. That was the on the back. You know, in my world, that would have been way before <laughs> anything else, right? And then I was like, wow. oh, Stanley Kubrick directed that scary movie I saw a lot that as a kid, The Shining. Just, yeah. that. Oh, come on. So I was like. Clockwork Orange is a, it, its own universe. Oh, it is. It's yeah. its own universe. Wow. But what I'm saying is that I was introduced to three different heavyweight directors and that was the first time I was like, I felt drawn to a very specific discipline. Yeah. So I mean, I love doing it all. I have. But done. you, you knew that at that point. I that born on the Fourth of July, over. that's where I wanted to focus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, the just the '90s. There were just more and more directors coming out, and you know, I have like so many directors' work I admire. Um, but yeah, that w- it all started with that movie and I think it was because what Oliver Stone did with his that narrative affected my father. Right. And I was like, wow, if art can affect my father like that, mm. that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to make people care and think. Right. And laugh and cry. And you yeah. know what I mean, it doesn't have to be one thing. I've directed quite a couple no, of, of course, comedies of course, too, of course, but of like course. that was where I was like I I I want to direct.
1: <clears throat> wow. All right, so Black Sands pulling this whole thing together. This whole, uh, I'm on on behalf of the people that listen to this podcast. This is a fascinating way of looking at this thing because we, of course, see the same, we see similar things from um, from person to person. Um, I actually have a couple more questions, but I actually have to whiz, so I'm going to call on. So you know, uh, we have a mutual friend named Dennis. Uh, yes, he's a wonderful man. <laughs> He's done a lot of wonderful things. He hasn't been on this podcast, but uh, uh, we've been on his podcast before. I got right? an
0: email from him this morning.
1: And, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he, that's true. We may be on his podcast again. his, Let's podcast. Do it uh, his podcast is called the uh, Table Read Podcast. One of the things he always likes to get me to do is improv, which I really don't like in general. <laughs> because my, uh, my taste for improv, if I'm going to be authentic, would be completely ridiculous Compared to his days with improv, which is very vaudevillian, and and hey, and what did you do, Steve? Sure. And like, well, you know uh, that kind of thing, which is not mine. Mine is like, you know, uh, probably starts with some act of violence and then goes from there. <laughs> <to whatever. laughs> so it, it it's fine. So what I'm going to ask you to do, since I have to whiz right now, is maybe you could uh, host the podcast for a good three minutes here <laughs> while I oh, right am outside. I'll give it our the try. Use podcast, people. There you go, guys. It's all yours. Right. Talk about whatever you want.
0: Wow, that's that's a lot of faith. No silence. It's <laughs> silence, silence is death. That's very dangerous. I know. Well, All right. Well, well, he's uh, off. The, uh, the, the barn. If you want. That, okay. Yeah. Well, if for those of you at home, uh, he has got an absolutely killer studio. I walked in and I immediately started taking pictures. Uh, this setup here is just freaking ridiculous like this is this is what i would love to have someday quite frankly (laughs) so he's doing well you
2: got to learn an instrument i know well you're
0: you're ahead of me on that um
2: i would love to record something in here
0: i know well talk a little bit there's something right there talk a little bit about uh the music you're doing with bitter pill because you're not just an actor and director and all of this but you're you're turning into a full-fledged musician in fact you were recorded recently Yes, for the first time.
2: Yes. I I am officially a uh, recorded artist now,
0: I guess. And what and uh, uh, do you want to say what the uh, the album was and and who the uh, music group you're working with?
2: So, uh I am a part of uh a band called Bitter Pill, which is uh from the mind of Billy Butler, uh who was mentioned before here on podcast. And uh it's uh that's the uh, quickest whiz ever. That was very quick. <laughs> well Which done. is good because I kind of need to go to the bathroom
0: <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, great.
2: Um, but uh, just to finish that thought, uh, uh, yeah, we went to uh, uh, New York to record with uh, Least of All Studios. And uh, um, we, uh, we did uh, 20 recordings and pressed 20 vinyls on the spot there that all went out to people that uh, bought uh, certain singles online. So... There's a uh, 20 people, including uh, I. I've won myself. I have a copy of uh, Dead Dead, the only one in the. Uh, no, I don't have Dead Dead. I have uh, a whiskey, uh, an oxy, and a couple of perks. Um. Uh, and it's the only copy. Uh, at this point, of that song in in the world.
0: And what what type of music is it?
2: It's uh, I I there was a Russian website that classified us as um, uh, death folk. I think. <laughs> Um, death folk or uh uh, That's uh some um, shit. <laughs> um Yeah, it's uh it's fun. We have a we we, we have an interesting arrangement. We and got some uh, we got some cello on there, we got some uh, uh banjo and mandolin, some guitar. John McCormack actually is uh, uh our uh, lead guitarist on that uh in that band as well. And uh it's a uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: And this current iteration yeah. is actually inspired off of a production of Titus Andronicus yes. you guys did,
2: right? Yes, at the Players' Ring. Yeah. We did a, uh, Billy wrote an uh, a, uh, adaptation of uh, Titus Andronicus, which is uh, a play by Shakespeare. Right, uh, um, One that ultimately Sweeney Todd was basically based on, uh, where the main character bakes uh, the two sons of his uh, enemy into a pie and feeds it to uh their mother um and uh he wrote a um, I mean as you do as you do you know in a Shakespeare play um it's and, great uh, to sing about oh it's wonderful <laughs> got great music it's wonderful to sing about. our uh, our single too many vampires has like 12,000 hits or something yeah. right now yeah it's great it's wonderful uh, say the name um, of the act again too uh, bitter pill bitter pill yeah uh and uh yeah, he uh, he wrote a musical adaptation of uh, Titus Andronicus and uh, wrote uh, some songs for it as well as some uh, uh, traditional songs that we put in a new jacket. And uh, yeah, it was uh, wonderful. We did a four-week run at the Players' Ring. Beautiful,
1: man. Yeah. Beautiful.
2: Well, that being said, I need to uh, take a whiz myself.
1: Feel free to head into the house, or you can just walk halfway down the trail of trees, so <laughs> to speak, whatever you'd like to do.
0: We'll freewheel. We have plenty of... Uh, this is, this is the, the good part about having three people here doing a podcast, because you can take shifts. It's like uh, passing batons. Well, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm a little bummed that, uh,
1: that regretfully uh, John couldn't, couldn't come tonight, but it's all good. Um,
0: wow. So, Todd, you have a musical background? <laughs> Absolutely not, but I do love music. <laughs> Have you been in a musical do you sing uh i i i am capable of it um I was <laughs> a lot of, uh, my grandmother's favorite project I ever did in my entire life was when I played Tevia and Fiddler on the roof my junior year of high school. <laughs> So, when you ask if I can say... No, 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 no,
1: no. We need to dial that back just for a second.
0: (laughs) Son of a bitch.
1: Whenever you're talking about a junior high production of Fiddler on the Roof, (laughs) I think it's important that... The casting of the character Tevya, which, if I remember correctly, is the father. Yeah. Who has a relatively big, large, big role, like yeah. a, like a, like a. I don't know how to describe it. It's a. Yeah. It's it's a it's
0: a big role. There's a it's, lot of
1: stuff going on. It taught
0: me fearlessness.
1: Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Because wow. I,
0: I got when I got cast, I didn't even. Did they
1: draw the beard on and everything? No, I
0: I could grow a beard.
1: Oh. So whoa, I the, nice work.
0: For all I know, that's what got me the role. Now I. I <laughs> No, that was the first time I, cause like I got the role f- through auditioning, but I hadn't read the play. Wow, really? So oh, you
1: just wanted to be in the play? I just wanted to do the play, man. Yeah. It's it's you half would, the reason why I do a lot of things. Right. I um and it, uh, it
0: was it was it was it was nuts, but I really enjoyed it, and yeah, I, I sang. I mean i I actually I did sing a few jingles. I was in a production in December. Of New Hampshire Theatre Projects recently right. recently it's a wonderful life uh, a live radio play oh really it was a lot of fun in fact we're gonna do it again this year wonderful. Um, for that's, our, for the you're in, that's my right. jam I've always wanted to do that I figure when I get really really old then I'll just put on radio play that's yeah right, it's it's just fun and and like and I actually had to sing a few jingles so it was a little nerve wracking at first. Uh, C.J. Lewis was uh, running our uh, our rehearsals for that, right. but uh, he was cool, you know, and he was totally working with us. And you know, they, these weren't singers who act, you know, acted. These were actors who really don't sing, right? And uh, but it was fun. I used vocal cords I hadn't used in a long time, so uh, mm-hmm. he was able to make sure I I landed in my range. Mm. Um, I actually walked out of it. Like I was like I I wouldn't mind doing that more so I don't know Wrong. maybe maybe I'll sing again sometime it's beautiful not tonight. Please so uh, let
1: me just ask you know one more one more thread because I really do want to want to hear the uh, I want to hear what happens after go fuck yourself <laughs> you <know? laughs> who doesn't um, yeah. but so from an audio guy's point of view um, the big ingredients that that you're going to be dealing with on a film audio wise are going to be dialogue sound effects and music dialogue is its own beast obviously it's it could be the whole point of a scene or maybe not but the dialogue may be recorded in production it may be looped dialogue seems to have its own sort of team you know i don't mean literally but it just sort of lives on its own dialogue is what we as humans parse all day, every day. So I'm certain that anybody who's gone to an independent film festival knows that, you know, you go to see a film and regretfully one of the actors just might be fantastic, but just doesn't deliver the dialogue in an authentic fashion and it kind of pulls the whole thing uh, away. And I realize that that's going to be a focus of a director. Sound effects, unless the movie is particularly fantastic. In other words, living in a sort of a, a world that doesn't jibe quell with our realist kind of world, have a tendency to be relatively um, self-explanatory. I mean, if I drop a mm-hmm. beer bottle and you don't hear it in the film, it feels wrong. And if you do, you don't notice it. Sound effects, of course, if you even at a very subtle level, like uh, for example, a Coen Brothers film sound effects character, but tremendously powerful to the filmmaker. And I'm sure as a director, as uh, people who are involved in this, those kind of things become part of your vision. They they become part of the thing. And they, it, it could also be, of course, incredibly stylized. But then there's the music. And strangely, my experience with film, certainly with games, there are very few things in the film that just one person goes and does. Most of the things are super collaborative. And of course, the music for a film is going to be collaborative It's in its own way. There's going to be a collaboration between the director, whoever has the vision, depending on the size of the film. You could have music editing and film editing and all these types of things. How does that work from the point of view of a director? Do you know where the music will be? Do you do the spotting session with the composer? Do you depend on it? Because I, I work at a, a college where students spend four years digging just the music part of this, pulling that apart, and talking about diegesis and the role and the functions that the film, the music in the film is playing at the time, and the psychological aspect, the physical aspect, the technical aspect, how it, you know, the light motif, so all this locational, all this kind of thing. How do you look at it from the director's point of view? Do you feel like you're handing over a part
0: of your film? Well, I mean it it's it's again, it's another collaborator. Um I the It's funny that you bring up music because I actually started a folder on Spotify and I asked all of the performers to contribute songs to their own characters playlists, whether it's what the music, whether it's I wanted to, I, without me telling them what music inspired me for the piece, I wanted to hear what music they they felt or thought of or listened to while they were reading the script, because that would tell me what it says to them without them having to explain it into words. Um, it you know, music is very emotional.
1: It's all emotional,
0: and it's very yeah. 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 So for me to hear what music they picked out tells me what emotions they're feeling when they're reading the script and that informs, again, where it kind of goes. That's unbelievably fascinating. Um, and and it's, using,
1: it as, using the actor's choices as a tool to write toward the characters that the
0: actors are playing, wow. And it's also a litmus test to kind of tell me how it's reading okay. without them without them telling me Trying to break it down into words, I'm like, okay, well, this this makes you feel like this song and this song and this song. And what was weird is I had two people actually choose the exact same song out of all the music. In the, all world. the mu- <laughs> literally all the music. It in was, the world. you know what it was? It was talk show host by Radiohead. Wow. Two yeah, different people wow. chose that song. Yeah. And I was it's like, sort of dystopic,
1: but also sort of personal. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah.
0: But I mean, that was, But I mean, I was listening to so much music, driving up and down Hampton Beach at nighttime. You know, in the summertime, thinking about this, a big album that can, that kind of informed the visions was, uh, uh, no pun intended, was a Grimes visions album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just be just the fact that it's so. Playful yet so grungy in its sound, yeah. but and also very electronic and but colorful too. And colorful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when I was, you know, I lay down when I'm thinking of of scenes, you know, I lay down what I like to call like temp tracks. Because I have I don't have the budget to get these songs. Um not, you know, maybe in some hopefully maybe someday in the future. But I so I laid down music for me that that's the how i kind of feel about the scene you know what i mean where does
1: that when does
0: that happen from the very beginning right i right off I, the top i'm like, very influenced by music. Like this yes i'm very influenced by music wow um even if i don't know if it's a specific song it has a p- specific rhythm that yeah. i can hear in my head that i want to match um and it can sometimes be um What's the word? Uh, it can sometimes be a kind of juxtapos- juxtap- right, juxtaposition yeah, right, yeah. or whatever against each right, other. Right. So, all uh, long story short, <laughs> that's when Tomer and I were talking about bringing Billy in as composer of the music, and right. and I sa- and I knew he had been diddling around with um, kind of more electronic sounds. And what I lo- and Billy's one of Billy's greatest strengths as a musician is his ability to find amazing melodies that you feel like you've known your whole nope, life. No question. Um, no and question. I'm like, well, anybody who's listened to his work, it's crazy. Identifies with the melody, you know? immediately. Yeah. And and I was like, well, what if he brought something like that to an electronic feel? And you know, even at the table read, he was like, "What do you, you know, what are you thinking of for music?" And and you know, we, we he and I need to sit down and have a conversation, but um the bringing billy's sense of melody and the fact that we're around kind of the same age he knows kind of the eras I'm talking about hmm. so i'm fascinated to see honestly what he's going to come up with for original work right i he's been present at the table read he knows the you know kind of the influences I'm talking about he's going to be able to come back with something i've never even thought of you know i don't want to be like i want it to sound like this i want it to sound like this right i want him it's just like all the other actors i want him to come back with his own original music and say okay now all that filtered through your head what are you hearing right and that's going to be really exciting that's going to bring such Different element to the whole piece Even after we've shot it Yeah it's fascinating to hear it from this POV
1: <laughs> Like that's Yeah, yeah. So you it, Right It's I, I, I Hmm So you're Semi-guiding But Responding Yeah Man Oh yeah It's so hard to talk about music We talk about on the podcast also. The easy way to talk about music Is just talk about other music <laughs> You know That sounds like Elvis Costello That sounds like Joni Mitchell yeah. I mean, that's, It's not you, how else are you going to describe it? You know, it's like Donnie Darko in that one part where they play the tears for fear yes. song.
0: You're like, yeah, like that, except yeah. not right. You know, yeah. how do you talk about and I it? I think it's like, I think it's like, you know, I, I don't want to, I mean, yeah, I have influences when I listen to it, but that's why I wanted other people to kind of tell me what they thought of when they heard it too. Right. I'm going to be fascinated to hear what it sounds like, what black sands sounds like in Billy's head because right. i that to me is more exciting than if a scene has a preconceived notion of what i think it should sound like right well
1: you have a personal relationship with this composer as yeah. well so you've already been through all of the you know original the onboarding process and you've been through the the goodness and the badness and all the things and, and so now there's that trust again right you know there's that feeling of that you're you're not okay now. I'm going to hand off my you know my my baby to someone I barely know. You really do have a relationship with this yeah this person. So yeah, there's a trust there that that works beautifully. Wow, yeah, music's a music's a tricky one. That's what this podcast is all about. I mean, know.
0: it maybe I mean it something to ask you maybe is you know you did it recently. You add, Tomer, you added a few songs to your playlist for black sands Mm -hmm. so like you know did you uh, it would be interesting to me too how as a producer and actor when you're able to start putting how you're feeling about the script to songs how does how is that for you
2: well i mean there are certain song there are certain songs that uh You know, we had one time we had a brainstorming session driving down the beach listening to Whipping Post um, by Almond Brothers. Uh, You know, there are certain songs that have always been in my head for this project ever since we started talking about it. Um, And also, you know, I I write with music in the background and a lot of the stuff that I've written... Has been, you know, supported by
1: music. Listening. to You put music on when you're writing. Oh, absolutely. Dialogue or
0: same here. Scenes. Same here. Yeah. Really. To
2: get you in the, uh, you know, to get you in a certain. To (laughs) get you into a certain. Sometimes I put on the TV in the background. Uh, uh, Actually, uh, last time I wrote, I put on, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Once upon a time in America. Uh, In the back.
0: It uh, wasn't once upon a time. You told me it was. LA Confidential. Oh, LA Confidential.
2: Right. I put on LA Confidential so in the back. I'm so jealous.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, While <laughs> hiding this, I can't. I
2: can't listen to
1: music when I'm working.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's you know when uh, when I'm working. I on listen the script. to music when I do everything else yeah. in my
1: life. You're gonna mow the
0: lawn or whatever. Yep. Yeah. But. I have, 70. Yeah. I have a 70 yeah. song no. Black, li- Black Sands playlist I listen to when I'm writing. You said seventies It's 70 songs right now. Oh, 70. Yeah, 7-0. Seven oh, so I, I, not, it's not from the long. 1970s. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no, no. Right, there right, are 70 right. of songs, all yeah. genres. Yeah. It's like five hours long. But it's funny.
1: You said, you said whipping pose, right? And yeah. so... Uh, you could come away uh, different people will come away with the with different things from that piece of music some might go that's an example of like a sort of a you know masculine approach towards the blues kind of american you know uh someone could go uh this is a you know a a deep story about about a a relationship you know Mm -hmm. like it all depends on how you look at it but in the end it's a bunch of blah blah talk it's Whippin' Pose by Almond Brothers. You'd probably listen to a live version of it. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Which is even
1: weirder, yeah. right? Which is a capturing a moment of the time. Talk well, about abstraction layer.
2: Well, yeah, and you know, for me, like for me thinking about that song in terms of for this show, it means a lot of different things, you know? Like we uh, talked earlier about the whole jamming idea, yeah. which comes very much into play with that. Because, And then I also look at it from the perspective of my character in in the uh right in the show um which for me has that like almost blues like drowned out at the end like succumbing to the Uh, world almost idea um yeah and you know there's a lot of layers going on within that why i picked that song to go into that playlist because I, i i i've had a lot of uh uh you know experience now working on this show. So there's a lot of different things that I'm thinking about when working on this show. Um, But I think when I, when I talk about Spotify playlist, I try to keep it as closely related to the character as possible, because I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, especially from the picking the music perspective.
1: Is it as on the nose of saying, this is what my character would be listening to during this time? Uh, i don't mean on the nose in a negative way
2: no 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 i i I think it's part that i think it's uh i definitely look at it that way i also think about it in terms of um certain songs more uh, uh um signify the mood of the character not necessarily what they're thinking about or what they would be listening to right um i pick a lot of you know there's especially working on shows, working on characters when I'm acting, I listen to a lot of albums, especially in album, I I like listening albums from beginning to end right? and to get in the mood for that. And so I try to pick specific albums that go along with that idea of that show, of that character. Right. And I think with this, it's kind of the same thing. It's, uh, you know, especially thinking about that character, I try to think about it in terms of how they might be feeling, not necessarily, what they might be listening to,
1: yeah, I know that myself, I know a number of composers that do what I do, mm-hmm. especially if you're working on like a game project there's a lot of characters you have to get you have to decide what you're trying to identify with. Is it a location or an action or a, or something that happens in the story, or is it actually characters for me, I love to get all the concept art, all of the art, mm-hmm. and I'll just put it, I have big screens here. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go down to you know Staples and print these things out and just post them up if it's like dragons or whatever, things that are fantastic. I want to be staring at this thing when I'm sure. writing. And uh, I can see how, yeah, if you pull the music in, plus it's a repeatable... Um, it's a repeatable stimulus. Like if I sure. come into the studio and I look up and there's the same dragon, I go immediately go back to what I was thinking mm-hmm. when I was writing, you know, and maybe that can happen for you. You put you, whatever, put whipping posts, you're like right back into the, yep, into absolutely. the moment again, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's atmosphere and feeling. It's funny you mentioned the, um, whether or not it's like what the characters are listening to. I mm. suggested an exercise for one of the actresses in the, in the series, uh, Dana, I said, if you ever want, sometime as an exercise, think about make a playlist of songs that your character would le- like legitimately listen to, because that says a lot. That says a lot about your character. I mean, it, initially I had everybody, you know, just make a list of songs of what the the um, the piece feels like to you. What do you feel when? You, but it's another thing to put yourself in the character and say, what would the character actually listen to? Because it's, a lot of times it's not the same, and what you listen to also can define your character um not in rigid ways but again it it goes back to those sketches and uh I, I find it fascinating to think about what the characters would actually listen to why they you know why they listen to that type of music right
1: and the actor uh, embodying the character is going to need to understand the difference between themselves and the character as right. well mm-hmm. and that was would be the like i wouldn't typically pick Grimes, for example. But if you said I needed to embody something that that would be the case in that situation, yeah, that would be a very powerful piece of information for me. You're someone who is listening to this in the car trying to imagine you know what what the scene is yeah wow it's funny but you uh to to kind of bring it around it sounds like that's what you did you didn't surround yourself with concept arts of stupid dragons you you actually drove <laughs> around in the car yeah. in the actual place that you're going to be filming and oh, yeah. surrounded yourself with the moment and the place
0: yeah 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 it's what, it's what very powerful to like to like live in that moment to see like to be driving up to Hampton Beach, you know, and and it's not, you know, Black Sands is actually the name of the small city uh that the the series takes place in. But it can also be metaphorical in terms of like the sand, you know, the sand right, course, is yeah. traditionally very um you know, you, we associated with beaches and and relaxing and all that kind of stuff, but you know, there is, to say Black Sands, it's also there's something underneath it, you know, yeah. what I mean, it's a different color than your You're used to. But to be able to actually drive down Hampton Beach and to see like, you know, all the neon signs and all that kind of stuff while playing the music that inspires the world, you're literally looking at a different world while you're driving in, Well you're in actually
1: the beach. in but you're in the film. You're putting yourself you're in the You're literally damn film. in the film. Yeah. Wow.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean you can't do that in Star Wars. No, <laughs> no. That's like a whole other thing. That's I have a lot of respect for those that can do that. Uh, but You're yeah. not
1: talking to a tennis ball on a green screen. Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: like I I, ha- I need the world to be very tactile. I need yeah. to I need to feel it. Oh it's- the
1: oceans a tricky thing too, because it takes over all of your senses. It doesn't matter what time of day it is, yeah. Either. And especially if you go nighttime and you're on the edge of the earth at that point, right? Yeah, you're looking up. Yeah, yeah, it's a very evocative thing that many people who don't live near the ocean don't understand yeah. until they go to the ocean. Yeah, and say it's two a.m. and I'm going to walk mm-hmm. outside right now, and the world changes for. Oh nine, yeah,
0: it's very know. transcendental.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, how do you want to do this? How do you want to read this? Do you want to read this? Yeah, I yeah. want to know what yeah, happens. Let, let I know. It. I that's have a feeling me. in the let's end, I'm that. not going to really find out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're going to have a more bit of, questions. I'm going to, uh, while you guys are getting ready, I'll, I am going to have more questions.
0: Um, and I'm going to need page 18. That's there, what I was going to ask so, you. You yeah. need
1: 18. Do you? Could you check to see? Do you have any? Are you missing any other pages or anything like no, that? I'm do we need any other work? No, I'm
0: fine. I've got everything okay.
1: else. This little section is, uh, this is a little shorter section, right? Yeah, this is only about like two and a half pages. right. All right. I'm going to pull up page 18 on the big screen because at some point, page 18 got lost out of one of these scripts. Um, All right. Sorry, you're going to lose me for just a sec while I type all this stuff up. Briggs, where are you? Briggs. (laughs) No Briggs. Hold on. All right, so we're preparing our scripts here and to do oh, yeah. the second part. I think we're all ready. Well, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we are. We are going to find page 18, which I took a picture of, and we're putting up on the big screen in the studio. There we Look go. Look
0: at that. That's great. Come on, baby.
1: Here comes. Come on, Internet.
0: Yeah, so everything we're looking you at is after, so go fuck yourself. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, As Post, a little, as a little recap,
1: yeah. Max right. told Josh to go, go fuck, fuck himself. himself.
2: Right. Um, <laughs>
0: Previously
1: on Black Sands. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> the longest commercial break ever. <laughs> yeah, right? There are no commercials in podcasts. Well, I shouldn't say that. there's no commercials in this podcast. Um. All right, so we're going to pick this up. Alright uh, Am, am I reading action lines again? Yeah you are Cold read Have not the, seen these Great So all we're right, starting so you're,
2: here We're starting right there Great Then she we're going to go All the way through here there. There's
0: one I'm petting a dog Beautiful Jack then is uh, Everybody on the podcast
1: here. Knows Jack very well He's right, been Jack. in the Photographs there. Very good Sweetheart. Where are we going to finish up?
2: Right there That's the last line Right there
1: Gotcha On page 20 Yep. All right, right. on the backside of two delicious beers, here we go (laughs) (laughs) Y'all set? I'm ready to roll All right, so uh, let's see If I understand correctly, we are reading from Black Sands This is somewhere in the middle of episode one, season one All right Point to exactly the line you'd like me to start at External. Diner parking lot. Morning. September 25th, 2018. Max lights a cigarette outside of the diner and heads down the road with a steady pace. Josh hurries out of the diner and follows
0: Max, yelling after him. Max, the fuck, man? Can you stop for a second? What is it, Josh? Stop being a dick for a second. Look. I know the last one didn't go so well.
2: It went ass over backwards. Why would I want to do that again?
0: You know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't worth it.
2: There's something you're not telling me,
0: Josh. I'm not supposed to tell you anything about the job. It's discretion, you know? Max stops. He just had a new thought.
2: He didn't actually tell you, did he? No. (laughs) This is just fucking great. And Keith asks you to come and recruit me. So not only are you his numbers, bitch, but
0: you're an errand boy, too. What the fuck are we doing here, Max? Do you want in or not? I promise it'll be worth it. I wouldn't lie about that. You really think I want to spend my Saturday morning like this?
2: I'm not going to be a part of anything if I'm getting fucked at the finish line.
0: Max, come on. The last job didn't go over well, but Keith has never fucked you over.
2: You know, if you were at least honest with me, I might actually respect you enough to trust you. But you're not even honest with yourself, so what was I thinking? This is a waste of my time. You think you're so much smarter than me, don't you? You always just
0: conveniently write me off as the depressed drunk. Did I say any of that? Those are your words coming out of your mouth. It's not my fault you get off on playing the victim. It must kill
2: you to know that Keith needs me more than you.
0: I wouldn't be so sure. You don't know anything about what's going on. And apparently neither do you. Max starts to walk away from Josh down the side of the road. Josh stays where he is calls out after max all right max you're right as usual you figured it all out one thing about coke it gets you all level-headed max keeps going josh turns around and walks back to his car dun, 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 dun. can i say and scene <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and now <laughs> and now i'm gonna take a whiz so you guys can start with this <laughs> uh on Your way out, would you mind
1: letting the dog out with you? Because apparently, Jack is uh, is gonna join the uh, uh is joining he is the fed up. Very nice, wow! So, the next sort of the approach now. So, here you are, you've mm-hmm. got if I understand correctly, you're gonna have a well, you certainly have a good idea of what's going to happen, and you're gonna prepare for filming. And then, sure, if uh, if I understand correctly, uh, you go through filming. Mm-hmm. I know that uh. It's too bad that uh, that Todd's uh, not part of this conversation, but um, I know that, that uh, who was it, Ang o- Lee said that um, writing the script, getting the script together, getting the, the, the whole concept, obviously I'm super paraphrasing, is like deciding on the menu and deciding who you're going to invite for dinner. Yep. And then going out to uh, the production phase, right? Well, first, pre-production. Then the production phase is like going down to the market and getting all the food you're going to cook. But the post-production is when you're actually cooking the meal, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking all those performances and all those shots and putting them together and getting the timing and the pacing. And then, of course, the uh, you know delivering the film in your case, the web series to the web, and then having it be experienced by the people is like serving the meal. Um, do you look that far ahead you yourself? What's your what's your opinion there? I, what are you thinking right now? Like when you're writing, are you seeing? <laughs> It on
2: Netflix. I, I I I am I am thinking about how to like serve this up right now. That's kind of as far as I'm thinking.
1: You are you know? so you go all the way through the. You're thinking ahead to the moment.
2: I am in a way. I mean, you know, there's a long way to go with that still, uh, especially in terms of uh, you know we still have to film, obviously, and we there's still a couple drafts that we have to do that kind of thing, but. I am definitely thinking about it in terms of how I want to serve this up. I mean, uh, you know, just deciding on the format alone is a way of thinking about how you're going to want to serve this up. I mean, do you want to make a feature film out of it, which is a completely different way in terms of how do you get that to your audience? Right. And do you make a web series, which is also a completely different way of getting it to your audience? How do you want them to enjoy it? where? Right. You know, and... Uh, uh, um. So in terms of that, you know, just deciding on that alone, and thinking about it in terms of you know how uh, what we want to be, the story to be about, I think that alone has made me think about how to like serve this up to people, and you know,
1: right. I'm still I'm still focused, at least in this conversation. I mm-hmm. still I, I really like that the the, um, the approach towards making a film which is going to be relatively static but i do want to mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute when, sure. you know, when todd gets back yeah. but um compared to like for example a live theater performance sure now of course my recent experience with you i saw you directing mm-hmm. um paint box and uh that's something that i'm gonna be experiencing on friday which is a couple of days from now yep. it actually will probably be before this comes out so i would invite everybody to to uh to come and get that but uh It'll be going on for it goes on for another couple weeks. Am I correct? So another yes, one more, uh, uh, two
2: another two weekends. Great. So until this, this March twenty fourth. This
1: episode will be out before then. Yes. so We're going to all invite people in the uh, introduction. Great. But um, that live feeling, uh, like the like mm-hmm. everything's everything's electric. Anything can happen at any any time. It's happening in real time compared to. Knowing that you can really work on a line until it 's perfect in a yep. film, yep. I know that as a musician, I relate to that a lot sure we're uh, uh, we 're playing this uh, show we 're going um, a group of us is going to play the last waltz by the mm-hmm. band um, completely from beginning to end, and it 'll be a big show and it 'll be exciting and One of the questions we were asking at rehearsal is, are we going to record this or not because if we 're going to play and know that it's not being recorded or whatever. Some people have their cell phones up. I'm just going to go balls to the wall. I'm going bananas. We're going to lay it down. It doesn't really matter if all the notes are dead on or not. They're just going to land. We're going to be fine. Uh, But the energy of the moment is all that's going to matter in that that performance, right? Uh, And at the same time, if we are going to record this live thing, Um, just to catch up Todd we were talking about I'm going to play The Last Waltz from beginning to end uh, with a bunch of friends uh, in next week uh, this weekend coming up
0: I'm so excited about that I saw that coming up it's so cool what we
1: were saying was we were making the connection or I'm trying to make the connection or trying to relate the connection between making a film where you know that you can work on a line until you get it right and then delivering lines that are going to be in a play where it's electric and in the moment we were saying when we play This last waltz We had to make the decision During the rehearsal Are we going to play Are we going to record this Because these days When you record this stuff You're recording like Every single track separately We can pull tracks Right off the board We can do a, a full board mix I mean, separate tracks off the board now. We don't, I can come back out with 36 tracks rather than like just this one stereo mix now, which means I'm going to hear every single fucking thing you do. (laughs) If you're the bass player, you miss one note, it's going to come into my studio. You know, we're going to have to fix it and all that kind of stuff. Or are we just going to play? Are we not worried about what are recording? And of course, you know, those kind of decisions greatly influence the musicians. That's kind of where I'm interested is when you're writing these lines. Mm This is for a filmed thing. You know that you can get the "go fuck yourself" line. If you don't quite get it, you might be. You are going to get a couple of shots at that. Sure. Do you write the lines? Is playwriting different? I mean, is there are they are they more coarse
0: so that they allow more? Do you think differently? Well, I mean, for for me, when I am writing either for because st- that's the funny thing about Summer Blank from over a decade ago. It was on stage first, and then it was on right. the film. It's like watching uh, Glenn Gary Ross. I'm sorry, Glenn mm-hmm. Gary Glenn Ross, or yeah. something that was
1: a play before.
0: Yeah. So, and I, you know, everybody creates differently. But when I was writing the dialogue, you know, even through rehearsals, I would make changes because every, all the actors playing their roles brought so much new, rich material to it. You know, I, I would, I would, I would urge them to kind of riff you know, and and be like, yeah, these are the lines, but make them your own, you know? And if you happen to go off on an improvisational place, great. Um, so once again, that collaborative thing comes in. And when, you know, when I was writing for the stage, I just wanted to have as authentic moments as I possibly could for the characters. And that would also translate onto screen because on screen, you know, the camera never blinks. So yeah, you have a chance to get it right a bunch of times, but I don't like to make, it too much of a calculated delivery or a calculated performance. I want right. that joy of discovery, whether it's on stage or on screen. Yeah, so my my take on this
1: is flawed in the first place. I I understand what you're saying. You're not saying, I know how I want this line to be. Correct. We're going to go back and do it 22 times until you get it
0: exactly the way I want to be. You're still going to leave that space for discovery. I love actors, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. I wouldn't direct. I love actors, like for what for what i put them through <laughs> i mean i really do love them i course, i really yeah. do have so much respect for actors and what what they are capable of it 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 pains me to see them you know get marginalized or have to be you know keep playing the same fucking roles over and over and over again cuz i'm like there's like every actor has like this fountain of like creative yeah. energy that you can get out of and for my writing i really just you know, T- Tomer is like, Todd's a writer. And people have been like, Todd's a writer. I don't honestly consider myself a writer. I just, I create work that I want to direct actors in, you know? And I yeah. want them to bring that raw energy. And again, it's like, as long as they stay in those sketches, you know, dialogue to me. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to stay on book, but if you feel like the scene should go in a certain direction, go ahead, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, And, and it's just it's knowing enough of what you want and having faith in that, that if they go off and it's somewhere you don't want them to go, you know, you don't want them to go there. You know, um, it's, it, it, it requires a lot from the actors. I think you even said one time, Tomer, that (laughs) your my style of directing would not be for a lot of actors. Um, Something I think like.
2: I think some actors like to show up and say their lines and do their job and that's it.
1: Yeah, that's I, a, I can see, but all of this thing know, working absolutely. as an ecology. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. there's certain. You
2: know. Well, there, you know, there there's like what we were talking about before in terms of you know trying to uh, 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 jamming along with a piece. Um, there, there are certain. As long as you stay on book, there are certain ways that you can. Uh, differentiate your performance and discover and explore a little bit differently, or in 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 whatever direction you wish. You know, if you some lines sound completely different when you all of a sudden say them just a little bit more sympathetically, or right, if right, you you know right. just in terms of how like whether you're sitting down or standing up in terms of saying a line or doing this one thing one way or another. Um, I mean we had a performance one time uh, where a spider came down in the middle of the show and it was right in the middle. And so uh, uh, Billy picked up the spider and brought him over to the sink and got him in there while saying his monologue, even yeah. though obviously that's not that's what, what we happened, rehearsed right? yeah. because that's what happened. So why not do that also, you know, in other forms of, uh, uh, of, of, of creative outlets in terms yeah. of you know acting and directing. That's and a weather. great
0: example of someone who had a very long monologue that he had to stick with, but he turned the incident with the spider into part of it that it isn't in the original script. That's shit I love. All right. That's riffing on. So that's riffing right there. I kind of wasn't going to do this, but let's do this. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. okay. You're
2: going down a rabbit hole <laughs> It's a rabbit hole okay. But no, I mean, I'm
1: interested in what you have to say sure. So It's 2019 Technology Has transformed The way Art could be Presented I just saw something at Players Ring the other night sure. Which was presented in a very traditional style In that there was a bunch of humans Making movements and sounds (laughs) that translated into a story that fuck you made me get all teary twice. (laughs) And in the sappiest fucking part too, I'm like, no. I I got got no problem. I got you. I got you. Great music, man. Great music. So there so there that's a very traditional sense. You could you could have done that, I mean uh, Mm -hmm. barring the uh you know, barring the uh the amplifiers and all that. Uh, you know, five hundred years ago. You just everybody gets together does our thing so what if it isn't the same every time let me explain it doesn't have to be the same every time let me explain let's say all of a sudden someone came along and said hey three of you guys want you to make a horror film sounds good just a short one, it's 30 minutes, it would be great Pick a subject. I'm going to insist that it's going to be one of those fun ones. You know, there's a smile sure. on. It's a little more Evil Dead than you know, freaking human sure. centipede. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. I, I, <laughs> great, for <me>. great, great, great. <laughs> but I mean, it's a collaboration. Great. This is our range. we're thinking along the same but, line. But let's let's make it fun, right? Yep. Right. But it's going to happen on Netflix, and as you know, if you saw Black Mirror Bandersnatch, mm. oh yeah, Netflix now allows the director the capability of asking the viewer for input. Mm-hmm. What else does Netflix know? The application, it knows what time of day it is, it knows if it was on my phone, it knows fucking everything about me, including mm-hmm. the last time I <laughs> did anything in the, you <laughs> name it, You name it, it knows, yep. knows who I'm with yep. Yep. at any moment because my phone's listening, right? Yeah. I work for game companies, you can pretty much find out whatever you need to know off someone's phone because you said yes when you downloaded the application. What I'm getting (laughs) at is now we're making the horror film. What if between, I'm sorry, people who listen to the podcast who use examples before, but what happens if between 3 and 4 a.m. the film isn't the same? Could you write that film? Could you make that interesting? if you knew that it was between three, not that are you, I'm not asking you if you were inspired, but I'm not saying if you knew that your film knew that the play, the listener, I'm going to say the player, because mm-hmm. I can't remember getting real sure. that well, it the, like the, the, the film goer, the person watching Netflix, that you knew in their world it was between three and four a.m., mm-hmm. could you make the film a little more scary? Would it be interesting to have it be different only if you're watching it between three and four AM can I you see. see this as an art form? Sure. I see.
0: Yeah. No, I th- yeah. I absolutely do. I you know, it's 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 interesting because of the Banders thing, which I haven't seen yet, which well, I know I need to. And
1: and let's not talk about it. Just yeah. in order for people who haven't uh watched that episode. Sure. sure. Let me just let me just do it in ten seconds. Uh Black Mirror is sort of set up like the Twilight Zone. You don't have to watch it in order. You don't Mm -hmm. need to have watched the entire thing to get this. You can just watch that one episode. And that one episode has a particularly different thing about it than anything that's ever been done on a major world level. This is the number one streaming service in the world, and they went down for a couple hours in order to put this functionality into this application. It's It's brilliant. uh, We are alive and... From the games industry's point of view, it's oh. coarse and and it's very very rudimentary. But it's not a game; it's Netflix. It's a TV show. It's, it's whatever you can name it. It's whatever a, you it's want a to film. It's a but the, whatever. What we can all we can say is uh, and 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 to use the same uh, example we've used a zillion times on the podcast. Look at Kanye's album that he said was never going to be a CD. Well, yep. there's a reason why. It's because he keeps changing it yep. or he has kept yep. changing it. There yep. were eight yep. versions, eight or nine versions of that that came out on Spotify. Yeah. Life how do of you, Pablo. How do you listen to version three of Life of Pablo? Yeah. You, you would have to find someone who ripped it at the mm-hmm. time, yep. which artifacted the material, mm-hmm. which gave it value. And also, how many times could that change? It could change mm-hmm. six times a day. Mm-hmm. Could it go backwards? Could it go, could you rip, could you also put version three up? Sure. Like the world is different now. Yep. This is an interesting thing. You said web series. Web series didn't even exist 20 years ago. No, what no, is a web series, right? Yeah. Are you going to archive them? Are you going to make it possible for us to watch the whole thing like Breaking Bad? I love this idea.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: How does this reflect on you? Do you find this to be
0: insulting, exciting? I think it's an incredibly exciting time for... Art. I mean, we've really reached kind of like, with technology, I think the first 20, I feel like the first 15 years of the 21st century, you know, I, I felt like, especially between the years like 2000, 2010, that... It was a, it was a lot about things like the iPod as a thing. We were making huge technological advances in terms of how we could deliver art. We had you know digital video, we had iPod, like and the device were, the yeah. device. Right. but there wasn't a whole lot of, you could because it was a lot of stuff in its infancy. there wasn't a whole lot of you being able to see what you could do it from a creative standpoint. You know you you initial digital films looked crude. you know, the iPod, everyone was talking about, you can put a ton of music in it, but it sounded like shit, but it sounded like shit. And (laughs) and like, there wasn't a whole lot you could do with it other than listen to music. Now I've always been a very active music listener by that. I love making playlists. I used to love making mixed CDs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as an example, now we're getting into the with filmmaking and music, you know, like for example, for streaming services, I, in discovering Spotify, I love buying music. I love, buying vinyl, C D S yeah. all of that. But I also love listening to Spotify. You know, it's one more and it and it helps to create an artistic tool. Like before like I saw Captain Marvel like twice over the weekend. And yeah, it's got a great haven't yet, yeah. it's great. And it is a great nineties playlist to it but they haven't released an official soundtrack and the reason probably why is because i can and i did i went on to spotify i created a playlist in less than three minutes yeah. of all the music and i shared it with the world yeah. now you that's how people are doing it like yeah. jonah hill for mid 90s which is a great movie if you ever have a chance to check it, it out it um he completely Said I'm not going to release a, a soundtrack album. There was a score that was released because Trent Reznor and Atticus sure, Ross did like four tracks. What he did was he created an ever-changing playlist. Oh yeah, that anybody can access who has yeah. the Spotify account. Yeah. And and instead of releasing a soundtrack album, they don't have to deal with rights issues or or blow the budget with trying to get all these songs together on a soundtrack they can sell no they they market it through they market it through there we go they market it through i'm just saying this it's right there man yeah they market it that's how they're (laughs) sharing the music they're there it's a new way of expressing your involvement with the art what i the,
1: the 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 googly eyes i was giving you was that this the technology is there for everyone including you and me yeah. and right now i mean the idea of when i'm watching your when i'm watching your uh you know your whatever whatever version of your art is available to me at the time in this case like a web series right yeah. you have you have the ability to give the viewer agency Or to take the agency away. And you already give the viewer agency in terms of interpreting an artistic moment, for example, (laughs) rather than being like, and then the dog went here and then it did this. You you just show a dog and maybe it pulls something out of someone's own experience. But the world is right there for everyone as well. Like I'm embracing the idea of this future concept. What we're doing right now is timeless this is not going anywhere barring a a huge emp
0: event this is not going to go away ever well and it's like bringing it back to black sands again i mean in releasing this you know i we've thrown around a lot of ideas you know i mean i the the episode is the goal is to have it released before the end of the year by fall online yeah um and but excuse me going back to the high idea about like life of pablo and that sort of thing if we're able to generate enough interest that we can get investors into the series and actually have a serious budget to be able to work with for the okay. long term, we could do lots of things with the series. You know, yeah, you can have it archived as individual episodes, and you can watch the episodes individually on the website. Maybe we and we can also have a version where you watch them. The, all of the episodes with no interruption it completely is, through as a movie it, yeah we yeah. could even give people depending on what the technology is you know you can give people the option of re, since it's three different timelines cutting it themselves oh, and creating no. their own <laughs> or you know wow. chronological timeline of what they just watched right, instead yeah. of us doing it ourselves it'd yeah. be like it's kind of like tracks here's yeah. the raw yeah. not the raw footage but here's the raw no, timeline I, I stuff right, yeah. and they could they could put it together any way they want. You know, they, I mean, I'm just brainstorming here. No, this I, takes I, I money I'm not, and everything. Yeah, I, no, it. I, but I, it, I, it's, the the cool part about it is that it engages your audience so that they're a participant, not just a passive watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it's kind of like the best of all worlds where, yeah, you can watch it in a traditional way that you want to, but if you want to have the option to be more engaged with it, you can have that option too, and right. I think that's so exciting. I love, yeah. like I said, going back to Spotify. I love being able to see that Jonah Hill is putting together his own playlist of music from the movie. right, right. How cool is that? Yeah, I know <laughs> I know and it's good for everybody involved it, yeah' it's
1: a it's a positive thing yeah it's a It's a crazy time to look at the crossover between. What we call, I mean, is Game of Thrones a film? I don't even know what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show, I guess. Who sure. watches it in the real time in TV? Yep. I mean, sometimes you do, but most people yep. are. This, is,
0: this is what Spielberg is losing his mind over, by <laughs> the way, <laughs> with the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Things need to be either TV movies or movies. It's like, no, man. like yeah. You can't watch a miniseries like Big Little Lies, which was yeah. a big influence on yeah. on. Black sands and also sharp objects and go. Oh, that's just a TV show. No, it's not. It's yeah, it's, it's very its much a yeah. movie. It's a nine-hour film.
1: Yeah, and without and since I can say this because I'm not in the film industry, I have two boys and neither of them watch the Oscars. So like, <laughs> <laughs> the point is that uh, uh, watching a bunch of actors give themselves awards or yeah. directors give themselves, obviously in the in the industry, Rich. it's a very important thing yes. and business wise and all this sure. kind of thing. It's what all I'm business. getting is it's people forget as one of the benefits and terrible things about the uh, internet is it allows people that are in my age group to act as if they're 18 all the time online (laughs) and you're not no no matter what those younger people are going to make the world into what they want it to make And uh, as we have someone in between Those two ages in the room right here <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's what it is So the whole idea of the Oscars The reason why I'm, you know one of these guys One of my boys was going to watch the Oscars Is so they can see an actor that they like Or whatever yeah, but they sure. couldn't Effing care less about oh, yeah. You know what the older people And it's just It's an amazing time Like you say, you're looking at making a web series you didn't have to move to LA. You no. didn't have to be in the industry for twenty five years in order to get funding. Fuck no. None of that stuff. No. The idea of independent voices and thoughts is what all this stuff is about.
0: And I feel like like you mentioned the early aughts. Like I remember when we were doing digital filmmaking at the time and it was it was exciting, but it was limited. And now with the way the equipment is, I feel like I feel like, and I probably speak. I might speak for other filmmakers as well. In my kind of position, it, it you feel like the technology has caught up to the to the quality you want to see, right? And the way, and because it's just tools to tell the story, right? And when you're, those tools get better, you're like, oh, this is a good time to start doing this shit. Let's tell a story. Let's tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Right. 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 It, no, that's it. Uh, that's dead on uh, In one of the One of the One of the things I like to do Is listen to So uh, on Spotify I just put it all to turn to tie it into a package There's a A playlist that's Automatically generated Called the Oscars Right mm-hmm. And it's uh, It's It's examples from The films that are Nominated for best soundtrack And yeah, best song it. And all sure. this kind of stuff Right <laughs> And uh, One of the things I love About this Is When you listen You can hear the trends that have come through and one of the nice things about music is it has a tendency to be a little i think a little bit without being pretentious a little bit out front of the trends of like filmmaking like obviously the trend in filmmaking is make a superhero movie sure
0: which i am a huge (laughs) fan no it's (laughs) great, but i mean you could literally look at of of the big blockbuster films there's going to be
1: Ninety percent of them of coming up in the next six months are going to be or whatever. We're going to be superhero movies, which is not to say you're not making other movies, but that's the trend, right?
0: But that's what's great about like the long form storytelling right. because now you can tell human stories in, in a the indie films that were in the theaters before are now being streamed into your home. That's the point.
1: Is, well, which is what I'm getting at is when you listen to the, the 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 soundtracks, right? Yeah, you can see these new trends, and I love this because I work. I work at Berklee at Berkeley College of Music, which is a very 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 well respected film scoring uh, program and i 'm in uh, I teach game scoring inside that thing just twice a week and it 's not my main gig my main gig is, is is company right but one of the great things is going and and laying it on the students because students, for all the rebellion that they like to do, <laughs> generally speaking, if I can stereotype them, just want to be like what do I need to do to make money? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I'm like okay. that too, actually. So, <laughs> to you go on yeah. the, in the, the cello and the violins. And then you go, bur, bur <laughs> and then when the, you go around the corner, you go to the strings and have the women go, ah, same <laughs> melody, ding, ding, ding on the cock and spiel, come down, go and they, run, dun, 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 up a minor third. <laughs> that's <laughs> how, that's how you, you could write a superhero movie, you know, soundtrack that sure. way. Right. But one of the great things is you pop this playlist and there's maybe two things on the playlist that sound like that. Right. Because that's not what Hollywood does anymore. Hollywood is out of tune pianos Uh, that play a little slow, really stylized mixes that don't sound like they were mixed in 2019. I mean, the greatest... Showman sounds like it 's done in twenty or Mary Poppins, but even then that 's like a throwback thing where you can yeah. really hear everybody sitting in the orchestra, sure. you really listen to the music and you go, these people are on the edge of interesting what i 'm getting at is they 're not dependent on having a twenty five thousand dollar mic chain in order to get the guitar to sound good you know by the time they put a you know this incredible mic that 's going through these incredible preamps and all this stuff i know i 'm talking music, but The point is for a while there, the only way you could compete in Hollywood is if you had a beautiful world-class orchestra and all these synthesizers and all these things and da 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 and it's gone. What you hear is somebody going over their out of tune piano with a couple of weird mics and it sounds that way and it's compelling and it's like listening to, for example... Uh, Who's the uh, director for Life Aquatic?
0: Oh, Wes Anderson. Okay, so if
1: you listen to a Wes Anderson soundtrack, you're going to hear things that are maybe twee. You might hear ukuleles or glockenspiels or people whistling or something that's very different than what you would expect from a Hollywood film. At this point, that's what people are making. You know, you don't relate to that, hey, just get a superhero. Make sure they're really good looking. Get them on some steroids, and then let's just pick any one of those... DC things and we'll do this even the great superhero films look at black panther. I mean that thing was an achievement on Many levels beyond just its basic premise and now the music is is turning into this very personal statement, Mm -hmm. you know where you're not Standardized and I love the idea that you could look at making a web series without starting out by going okay first we need $15 Fifteen million dollars up front, you know, you can just have this independent voice because the technology is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the ability to tell that story is there. And yep. this is a, a hell of a story. Are you guys uh the actors? Did you just you're are you playing the actors that N- you uh, he, to?
0: he Tomer will be. Yep. You Tomer's are playing, playing your, Max, yes, your Chris, Christian yep. Maurice is playing Josh. Wow. I'm 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 directing the shit. Wow. Yep.
1: When is this uh you said when the filming start. Do you remember it, by me?
0: We're we're aiming for May, um, but I, I, I'm feeling like it'll probably end up being June. Um, what are we in? Uh, we're in March. We're in March. So you're twelve so, weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's going to happen this summer, and it's cool because. Oh, does it
1: have to? Oh, see, I'm I'm so outside of the film thing. It does have to happen all within a season, because it obviously it's it be the season because yeah. you're going outdoors, right? Yeah, 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 but I
0: mean, right. I've shot. I shot a feature in six weeks when everybody had day jobs. I mean, this is this is this is only forty minutes, and you know, it's when I broke down the script. Realistically, if we just did nothing but shoot straight, it would be looking like eight days. But with everybody, with everybody, you know, people have jobs, people have lives, people have other shit going on, and they're they're volunteering their very valuable time for this project. So. You know, you just, you just, you know, you just double that right amount of time and work around people's schedules and just get it done. Yeah. Then you
1: go into post.
0: Yeah, Jay Child said he was uh, agreed to edit it, um, which I'm looking forward to. He's Jay Child's uh, directed the documentary um, "Food Fight: The Market right. Basket," right? Right. And um, I liked the idea of having a document. I mean, I work with Jay on projects too, but I like the idea of bringing in a documentarian to be the director of photography and the editor because I think it will give it a different energy. Right. Um, plus, I you can make something look good, but it takes skill to be able to do it quick, fast, and move on. You right. know, and fire and forget, fire and forget, and um, and I like the way he works. I like the way Tomer and he. Get along, um, and we all seem to be on the same page. And I'm going to be as interested as anybody to see how it all turns out, quite frankly. I, mm-hmm. I, it's going to look different than probably high picture it in my head, but it'll be better because it'll be real. Do you have a delivery
1: system yet? Is there a way for someone who is listening to this to project themselves out towards the end of summer 2019? or, be, or, or I'm sorry, they project themselves out to maybe around holiday time 2019 before the end of the year. Is this going to be as simple as looking up black sands on the
0: internet? Um, Tomer and I are talking about... I realize it may be way too early. To well, we're talking about lots of different options of delivery, um, but we're we're going to make it as easy as possible for people to see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, obviously, if this, if you do this, and it becomes uh, something that you're doing on a regular basis, which mm-hmm. it sounds like that would be the case, right? You're yep. gonna make episodes, and you're yep. gonna go forwards. It'd be interesting to be able to see what else you do as well. I mean, like having a blanket to the whole concept, like it, like it comes from. Not only did these guys make Black Sands, they mm-hmm. made whatever your next idea is too. Yep. Too. So, I like that idea of. Of of connecting not just with the art but
0: with the artists is what I'm getting. at. We're talking about. I mean, like Tomer has um, volunteered to help me create a website for our production company, Rolling yeah. Die, and I'm and I'm the th- what, what, what was the name of that Rolling Die Productions. Rolling Dye, yeah. So the thought is, among other avenues, like I, I don't think we're going to have any really ex- like exclusive avenues. We want it to be seen. But an idea would be to be able to have it run on the website, but also have a lot of our other work on there as well so people that's what can I'm getting see at. that's one that's stage you know uh, stills from stage productions you know that have been working I mean rolling I'm that's been around in, for 20 years I want to years. follow you
1: around while you're filming it after we talked about this too you know what yeah. I mean so you can see the, the 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 again those abstraction layers of this. I yeah. mean it's 2019 it, it, Absolutely. the art is the is the entertainment you know yeah yeah but, no I it's well. there's
0: we're bouncing around ideas Tomer's got a lot of really good I like the ideas he comes up with for uh, presenting the project. He's he's got a good brain for that.
1: Speaking of which, uh, since we're we're putting this together, let's 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 go ham for the last couple of minutes here on paint box so you are the yes. director of this thing yes uh which was sort of coincidental i had gotten in touch with uh you because i knew that this is something that you were doing on this i didn't i didn't put all the connections together yeah there's a lot of connections at, right all and the way then around. i'm actually going to be directed by you on friday yeah. which is yeah don't forget to fucking play that part there yeah that's the sunset where that's really it where for whatever reason, without giving it away, McCormick can't give me the cue, <laughs> which normally he would got you, you
2: have such a great band with you over there. You will have no, 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 no. problem. You don't know. I know all them.
1: those guys really well. Like the drummer who would be probably the person who would give me the cue because I yeah. know him so well. He's going to totally not give me the cue. I'm no, gonna he's
2: guess. not going to give you the cue no. because he's, he's been distracted be like, because he's been looking on the stage and being like, wow, this is really cool what's going yeah. on.
1: Well, you don't have yeah. to sell the thing. Everybody yeah. already knows it. it's great. Oh, it's but, great. Uh, uh, it's wonderful. But your experience with you are the director in this yep. case, right? And yep. uh, yeah, it must be interesting. This is a, um, a, what are we calling this? It's a It's a production. It's a rock opera. Is that what you're calling it? Great. Right. Yep, so it's King a rock Rocks opera rock in which opera. the band is actually on yes. a stage which is part of the stage. They're, yes, they're and, ubiquitous. Well,
2: you know, it in, in terms of how I... Uh, and this is how I, um, how I approached it from the very beginning once John reached out to me about directing the piece is that, you know, he had this album already. He had this album that he wanted to uh, uh, release and play And there's a story in there somewhere, but it has always come from the perspective of the album and from the music. So in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of this story, I mean, honestly, like I just directed these, the the, the music stands on its own, right? Just, I just put some things around it and that, you know, help tell that story, but it's the music that's, Really tells the story. It's the whole emotional undertone of the whole show. So, well,
1: I like the way that you use uh, again. I'm I'm uh, just on on a fan basis of sure. going to see things in theaters and all yeah. that. I like the way the band is on a little stage yep. on the side, yep. and there are times where you know the actors will actually that'll actually become part of the sure. the set. <clears throat> you know the moment of the set like you yeah, don't to talk about the story yep. you have to go see the story that's yeah. the whole point but there's also times where it's, it's not really like a Greek chorus but it definitely yep. plays like this background echo, kind well, absolutely. of role. well
2: because that emotional through line is always there you know and yeah. it, uh, it, it allows us to to kind of Almost tune out from the music to tell these little snippets of a story and then go back into this roller coaster ride of emotions this yeah. the music
1: well i 'm uh, again just because I teach it i 'm sure. fascinated with diagesis like are are the can the i 'm sorry uh, to translate so can the characters that are in for example a film hear the music or not so if it 's da 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 went da, done. Da, yep. da, da, da. Darth Vader comes down, he can't hear it, but if there's a jukebox, it's diegetic. They can hear it, right? And your play, your opera, your theater production plays with diegesis all over the place. Like watching it, like as well. Because it should be,
2: it should be, it's an album. He wrote it as an album. So let the album, let the music stand on its own and let the characters like touch base with that when necessary or when warranted or well, when Well, that's the earned. thing. It's very fluid. When it's earned, it it jumps know?
1: back and forth where the, some well, times where should. the characters have no idea what's going on with the music, the it music should. being played to the audience. Yep, absolutely. at times where the characters are actually part of the music. Yep. It's fascinating yep. on that Well, level. And there's the
2: huge part in terms of, you know, we started the project with the idea of what if John as having, you know, r- written the album and it being his project what if he also played the dad and was the leader of that rock band in a yeah. way yeah. you know that idea alone in terms of what that means like metaphorically and 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 how that can connect with the characters a little bit in terms of what story you want to tell yeah. you know like everybody can relate to that little girl that is watching a rock band on tv and thinks that it's her dad playing like lead guitar right there yeah you know so in terms of that like why not make it part of the story yeah and why not make well, the story part of the music
1: yeah it's it's a it's a really cool production i saw it before you even got to previews so i oh. saw it while everybody still got all of the like the you're all gonna get weird so distracted on stuff. friday no, I, I I won't because I'm going to be focusing okay. on my okay. responsibility. All right. I only play is I'm only playing this one. I'm ironically, I'm sitting in for the guy who's sitting in yeah, for me, right. which is great. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it says one night. Yep. And uh, no, but on the other hand, I I very strongly encourage everybody to I A go and see it while it's Absolutely. actually in its original yes. state. And I'm yeah. certain that down the line you'll be able to see it again in a different it'll way. Come, but it'll but come back a, one way or another. And then uh, I can't tell you how excited I am about just getting my mind around what you're trying to do here with Black Sands. This is a really fascinating look from my perspective at something which I'm sure to you is is relatively mundane, just going to make a film. But it's, oh, it's <laughs> never Monday. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's trust it's, me. I understand, but it's it's uh, wow. I'm certain that everybody who's listening really wants to at least well, we just want to see how you do.
0: Yeah, well you know, it's it and you know, how you did. and actually I mean, to bounce it back to, to Paint Box, you know, I I went to go see it last Saturday and I was sitting with, with Tomer and my wife Jasmine and his girlfriend and uh Tomer's girlfriend Adele, who also choreographed choreographed the show I and that, yeah. and it was um I just really, really had a great time watching it. I mean, like I thought he nailed, again, atmosphere, colors, um, the way it flowed. Um, I really just enjoyed it from beginning to end. But but it was also a reminder of why Tomer and I work together so much. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's one thing to support your friend. Like, we support our friends. It's another thing to also be a fan of a fucker's work. Right. You know, and you happen yeah. to be friends with them. Yeah. You know, I go, I go see, I went to go see Painbox because I was just like, I'm going to enjoy this show. And I did, like, massively. You know, Tomer saw my shows and was like, I want to work with that guy, presu- presumably. Right, right. Um, and, like, it's like when I see Billy's stuff and I go see Billy's stuff, I'm like, I know I'm going to get, I'm a fan. I'm going to love what I watch. Yeah. Being friends is not, it's great. You get to chat with them on a personal level, but at the end of the day, the the work is just impressive as hell. Yeah, the work and is the work. The work, I- the work is the work.
1: It's the work. The, yeah. play, I, is yeah. the, yeah. the okay. play is the thing. Yeah, the play is the thing. I get to, you know, I get to write a lot, and I get, I'm lucky to be involved with lots of different cool things. But one of my favorite things ever to do is to say yes when someone goes. Do you want to whatever play this show, or do you want to play on the album? Because I yeah. don't know what I'm going to play, yep. and so McCormick's freaking legend around here, right? So right, I, right, he's like, so. "Hey, do you want to <laughs> do you want to play on this thing?" I'm like, "Sure." I had heard like a couple of songs from the album, but that's it. And I know, I knew that one of the songs that he had written, which I've never heard, is going to be written for me to just jam on awesome. right I just know it is like you're like you're an actor you're like oh what did you, come on give, yeah, me, give me the yeah, script where is yeah. it and uh and you guys play that song it's called Car- California Caramel Damn. and that is maybe my favorite that part of the show song is so good <laughs> and I remember listening through the record going oh I like that one. Oh, that's great but still this is a little part of me going Johnny 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 right give me one that's just like and that thing goes oh it's so good oh just Um,
2: you wait when you see that that is maybe my favorite stage picture of the
1: whole show I'm like that's it
0: and what's that stage (laughs) picture
2: oh it's great it's wonderful oh. it's wonderful Yo, you're gonna have to come see it <laughs> That's, you know what I'm glad you said that because
1: yeah. I, I he even told me what was gonna happen and it was yeah. still better than that yeah. although the dude missed his uh, mark on the night I saw it but yeah. <laughs> sure that will never happen he's, again. Hit, he's
2: <laughs> hit it most of the nights it's fine you have one um, light and he's gotta be in it's it great. So it's great it's, it, but no, it's like I'm, a street that
1: was only important. just joking that was it was a fantastic oh, moment so, and, so yeah and uh, anybody who's listened to the Paintbox album already knows california caramel cream featuring all the different people in the band too it Mm -hmm. just goes all the way across everybody then in the end a lot of times when guitar players write shit they they'll write little spots for themselves which is cool yep i mean normal people who are not giant egotists and and john is absolutely not uh he uh but he finally like wrote himself a spot for a awesome solo and that whole thing at the end just goes (laughs) (laughs) go and he blasts this brilliant solo on the album fantastic it's yeah it's it everybody's really favorite song yeah. and that shit yeah. and uh and I'm so happy that it plays a major role in the uh in the production as absolutely. well so absolutely anywho's uh good, I'm sure we'll be able to see that again um yeah. like i said uh we'll uh we'll I hope to follow up maybe you yeah, know, man. towards the end of the year and and see how this goes, but Let's do uh it. wow, so paint box right away, and then yeah, on and the Black long tail later black sand no black sand is gonna be around for a while oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for uh thank you for this this means a lot yeah, um thank you especially the uh to the podcast wow yeah. it doesn't have to only be about music huh no of course all right. not. all right thank you very much guys thank bye. you
2: bye